stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time he overtakes. Where does he want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Sway bells ring. Are you listening? Well, not really. But you have to be because you're listening to this. I'll do that again. That was shit. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got any good Christmas references. This is terrible. Old Lang Syne. Go away, Zoe. <laughs> oh, dear. Lewis, leave that in. <laughs> put it put it in the bloopers. The, the, the file library of my blooper reel is extensive as it is. Like You could fill a bank vault with that at this point. Oh, dear, oh, dear. <laughs> I've not got any witty creative Christmas intros on this one, so this will have to do. For the final time in 2017, welcome back to Motorsport 101. Welcome back, everybody. It, it is episode 118 of Motorsport 101. It is our final episode for 2017. This is the part where you all sigh and pull really sad faces and go, Aww. Aww. Like, let, let's, not, let's not play around here. We're all way too excited for the IndyCar season to start next year. Yes. <laughs> We're all very excited about the Rolex 24 Daytona. Yeah. yeah! Yeah. And by the way, I've already made another blooper because it's actually episode 117 today, but we'll ignore that. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yeah! We're also decidedly year. average for F1. Yes! We're, we're, all, we're all just like, oh, it's F1 again. Yay! <laughs> yeah! Like, it's a thing. You know, the car's going to be two seconds of fast, faster every lap next year. Yay! But yeah, no Push one forgot to mention. Yeah, two seconds a lap faster, but even in the press release, Pirelli stated that, yeah, the cars normally get one second a lap faster uh, normally each year. The, ex- the other extra second is because of the tires. So it's like they're only contributing like 50%. Push the button. <laughs> That's what I heard. Push the damn button. Jetterman, Jetterman, don't take your hand <laughs> off that button. As you can see, like as you can see, RJ's already been at the eggnog, unfortunately. Um, Howdy! I uh, I had a birthday recently. I don't feel much older. I, I I've just I've just decidedly given less fucks in life. Yes, <laughs> that's the way it works. A happy birthday to Mr. RJ O'Connell. It was his birthday on Saturday. He is now the ripe old age of twenty-eight. May the good Lord help us all. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, that's that's an that's a good omen for Brendan Hartley, by the way. Because because yeah. now we sh- we now share a number, yes. Uh, leveling yes, leveling up in life it just uh, ooh ooh that existential dread it is uh, creeping up on you. Twenty <laughs> five year old Andre Harrison says you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Though no, I do have to note it's going to come up later in the show. But yeah, I I somehow feel strangely old when I hear that Jessica Innes Hill has won a Lifetime Achievement Award that I was like, right. wait, isn't she like 31? She's 31 and she's getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. Like, my 25-year-old is watching that going, like, what have I done with my life? <laughs> like, like, 
That was the greatest, like, existential crisis moment of my life so far. And that is saying something. <laughs> but, um, anyway, you've probably already guessed the four people that are on this show already. But just in case you, you're unaware, just maybe this is your first time listening. If so, where the hell have you been? Um, <laughs> hey, better late than never. First of all, of course, you have me, Mr. Andre Harrison, as usual. We hey. have Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. King? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's just it's just me just soaking in like man i need motorsport in my life because all my other teams are dumpster fires well <laughs> the jets and the knicks are dumpster fires. the the yankees they're 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 still the yankees they brought in giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> like, you know there's hope in, in in that neck of the woods pitbull pitbull could not keep giancarlo stanton in miami I'm pretty sure, like, Pitbull can't keep anyone in Miami. <laughs> he's going to he's gonna have to buy the team out from Derek Jeter. <laughs> no, if, if, I, if I had to nominate any Miami native to buy the Miami Marlins, it would be Dwayne the Rock Mariah Johnson. Carey. <laughs> did, he, did he just see what you said, Mar- Mariah Carey? Stop yes, yeah, this, this is when Mariah Carey's are, powers are at her... It's at her most powerful. This is her time. This is her season. Did you did you not see the picture where she's signing autographs while sitting and there's like no chair or anything? She's literally in the sitting position, signing autographs on the stage in heels. Mariah Carey levitates further and further <laughs> up every time you play "All I Want for Christmas Is You" on Spotify. Although Don't according to this. Richard Osman's um, World Cup of Christmas songs, it is not the favourite of, according to British Twitter. Listen, listen. British Twitter did not vote Die Hard as the greatest Christmas movie of all time, okay? I've never listened to Richard Osman's polls ever again, okay? I'm listening, I I just want to know what the group of death is in this World Cup of Christmas songs. Well, (laughs) you had the fight... The four going into the semi-finals was Fairy Tale of New York. Um, wish well, like, be I, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest here. I've never heard Fairy Tale of New York. Me neither. How have you not heard Fairy Tale of New York, Dre? I don't know. I'm not a big music person. I spent most of my Saturday afternoons, like, after school, watching reruns of Yu-Gi-Oh. I can't help it, okay? I was never a music guy. Sue me. <laughs> Also, hi Zoe Hamilton. Thanks for sneaking <laughs> in on our last podcast of the year and stealing the punch bowl. Much appreciated. The door punch was open. The door was open. I came in. Typical. <laughs> I, 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 King, like, isn't she like overdue like six months board payments here? You're like, you know. I know. Just rent. <laughs> <laughs> she sneaks in so much. She's, she's basically part of the furniture at this point. And of course, I, I have the t-shirt. Well. She does have the t-shirt, unfortunately. She won it in the hey, y'all, what's happening? Yeah, so I know you're here as well, so what's happening, sir? Besides existential dread. Yeah, got all the bases covered. Um, we're ready to do this thing. Let's let's just do it and be legends. Let's let's do it. Let's be legends as we all, all these old farts now doing these podcasts are, are going to get into this now. It's like... Let's get, let's get on with this. So, basically, you can find us before we get cracking real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. And good news, people. I've got a capture card again. So, hey, 
Gaming stuff could be hitting us in the new year. Just saying. That could be fun. Um, Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101 or on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. If you'd like to follow us on our personal Twitters, we're at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's in two Gs, at RJ O'Connell, and at We Zoe. And if you really, really like us, you can back us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to both this show and Bike Live. In case you haven't listened to it already, we had our own Bike Live award show. Where I was att attendance there, I was wearing a Christmas jumper. It was very important. We, we really broke out the suits and tuxedos for this one. Um, it's actually a very funny show, and it's one of the best ones we've done all year. It's it's the Bike Live Awards featuring the best and the worst Jorge <coughs> Lorenzo <coughs> of bike racing in 2017. Um, it's it's a great time, you know, and it's our final Bike Live of 2017. So I just want to say as well, thanks to everybody that's listened into Bike Live over the course of 2017. We promised me and Lewis are going to beat our heads together and really go after some proper guests and have a proper blast of it in next year. But uh, thanks to everyone that's been supporting us over there. Oh, you biking crowd all the, way for, all, the, all the way through 2017. Much, much appreciated indeed. And of course, you can find all of our archives and episodes and some extra fun stuff in our blog section at motorsport101.net. Including episode reviews of the Grand Tour. You know, I'm doing that over winter as well because I've got to fill the off-season with something. You know, jeez. <laughs> the struggle is real. And a, a full completed season review is now up on there as well. From me, in three parts. <coughs> because, you know, <coughs> I couldn't be asked to put the whole thing in one post. I'm saving you guys the trouble. Right, without further ado, let's get into... Oh, Lord, it's like the biggest keeping it one I want have ever done. This should be fun. <laughs> <laughs> do when you got no motorsport to talk about we we got some motorsport to talk about um what do you do when you got no motorsport to talk about uh watch interesting awards shows on a sunday night read books about motorsports watch watch yes that you you nailed it right on the head we are we are in the full swing of motherfucking September Madness at the Alexandra Goddamn Palace or the Alice Palace. It is known around the world. It is not known as the Alice Palace, but you can call it the Alice Palace to annoy all the people who insist on calling it the Alley Pally. Y'all. How dare you. Y'all, we've had like four days of the PDC World Darts Championship, and we've already had the 8, the 11, the 12, and the 14 Cs all gone. That's one-third of y'all's Premier League from last year. Yo, is it March? <laughs> is it March? It's December Madness, kid. It's December <laughs> Madness, and, and offices, I tell you what, the office pools all around this great country, which, whichever country you're listening this from, I'm assuming it's just wherever you're listening it to. We're going to get like big views and probably in England and some parts of the Netherlands as well. But at any rate, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been kind of ridiculous. Yeah. You've, yeah, you've, you've still got your top seven in this as a time of publication though, depending on how this Daryl Gurney versus Ron hybrid match develops, that may change. That's going on right now. Literally, as we record this, Daryl Gurney is two on December 18, 2017. 
But we literally just had Daryl Gurney hit a 170 checkout literally two minutes ago. As you do. <laughs> As you do. Michael Van Gerwen, still fun. Peter Wright, battling through pain. He had a damn health scare before the start of the tournament. I thought he was gone. Menser Solovich, still fun and compelling dude. Up there in that bracket with Kyle Anderson, who also won his first match. Yee. Phil Taylor, he is he is retiring in case in case nobody told you that this was Phil Taylor's last fight, last world championships appearance. Nope, and he is he is he is already nobody got the memo. <laughs> he's he's already staved off one dude who wants to be the Shawn Michaels and whisper, I'm sorry, Phil, I love you before delivering sweet chin music. <laughs> my my bracket, by the way, is it's it's not looking terrible. There were a few upsets that I had expected, like Dimitri Vandenberg going over uh, Stephen Button, aka Dart's greatest Peter Griffin lookalike, or Dart's he greatest. Is so like Peter Griffin, it is ridiculous. I, I would. I, I brought up another suggestion: Wayne Knight from Seinfeld, Jurassic Park, and Space Jam. Yes, he's Wayne Knight, but with less hair. Very true. Also, oh. also we had also we had one of the one of the less entertaining uh, first round upsets, of which Mervyn King's back just went out in the middle of a match. Oh my god! He his his back just went out, and and here I was thinking that the most that the strangest thing about this match is here's a 51 year old man walking out to Triple H's the game. <laughs> you know, right? I'm not convinced. He, I'm not convinced that about that he's uh, fit for the gimmick unless he starts wielding a sledgehammer and taking a bunch of photos of him shaking rookies with PDC tour rookies that have just gotten their tour cards. <laughs> yeah. Um, best thing is BBC America. For those of you watching this in the United States, yeah, they just got it up for motherfucking free. You don't even have to sign in with your cable or television provider. They're just streaming it for you. You're welcome. Yeah, in this era of paywalls and other BS, BBC America's like, guys, guys, this is this is that good. You need to watch this. We don't we don't care if we're losing money on this. You need to watch this. It's fun. It's Christmas stuff. Who doesn't love that? It is Christmassy. You get to see drunk people in costumes. Yes. I mean, where else are you? Where else are you going to get this outside of a Halloween or New Year's party? Like, you, you don't get this. You don't get this many like drunken white people having a good time outside of an episode of Club Reps back in the early two thousands. Used to watch on ITV. Like anyone who's who's British and over the age of twenty knows exactly what I'm talking about right now. Because that was the show you would watch when you come in from a night out, hoping some white chick flashes their tits. Like because it, it was just them filming shit in Ayanapa all day. It was crazy. Like that's what these world championships are for, and it's it, it, it's a great time. It is a great time, and it has been a blast so far. And uh, whew, oh boy, um, it has been up like it was upset city uh, this this past weekend, including poor James Wade getting knocked out as well, and Dave Chisnell, who's you know was deep in the Premier League last year. Uh, yeah, like I said, we lost one third of last year's Premier League. We're gonna have some turnover. Yeah. Especially given that uh, there'll probably be a bunch of new dudes in the Premier League next year, Daryl Gurney's almost guaranteed to get to be get to get one of those automatic spots. Um, Rob Cross is almost certainly going to get one of the wild card gigs one way or another, as is Mensa. 
The rest. I, I just I just realized that Rob Cross looks like a like a, a portly or Dana White. He really does. <laughs> so now I'm just so now I'm just inspecting him whenever he walks off stage and does like a post match interview. Like, listen up, you fucking goofs. <laughs> I came here to throw some darts at this board. And that's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna have any of this bullshitting around. <laughs> this is the best Dana White you're getting today. Yes, go watch the darts. It's fun. If you're in America, you can watch for free. Uh, it's gonna be a good time. Even even if yeah. you don't, even if you're not really so much big into like uh, match room games that are classified as sport for some reason, mm-hmm. it it's still a good time just for the atmosphere and you know the banter that comes with it. Not to toot my own horn, but I I have the best darts takes on the internet. <laughs> yes, the best darts takes. I don't normally concede hot takes in, in a contest of hot takes, but RJ has this darts thing down way better than I do. He's great at it. Like follow him on Twitter, RJ O'Connell, for that as well. He's very good at this. Um, <laughs> you know how much that paid me to say. You have no <laughs> idea. But uh, he is the man. But um, speaking of Sunday night activities. <laughs> Ooh, we had a big one. We talked about this on our last show, 116, and it's back again to um, rear its ugly head. It was the Sports Personality of the Year award night for the BBC. And, we were um, wrong. We were so, so very wrong. Yeah. You know, who's, you, know, you know who's laughing right now, King? The bookies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They were... <laughs> They were laughing all the way to the bank because by the time the event actually started, Anthony Joshua had gone down to a one to seven favorite. Um, they like they were taking specials. Will Joshua get more than fifty percent of the vote? They, they, like, <laughs> no they one got thinking, even above sixteen percent. Yeah, they were like, "Hey, Joshua gets more than fifty percent is like five to one," and I'm like, "That's <laughs> never going to happen." You he know what happened? You know what happened, Dre? It's because Anthony Joshua did not really prepare for the reverse grid start once the sports personality of the year voting began. He just he just he just assumed because who he was, he was just gonna start at the front with an inherent advantage, but he was wrong. No, he got bumped down tonight, and he was on the back row of the grid with who else? Jonathan motherfucking Ray getting second place. Yes. <laughs> Like this was awesome, and I want to say, every bike guy out there and every bike lover listening that voted in, well done. Give yourselves a pat on the back today. You did good. <laughs> like the ballot came out, the results came in shortly after the, the show. Jonathan Ray was less than three thousand votes off winning the whole damn thing. Um, eighty thousand votes in total, just just short of eight. Mo, Mo Farah's eighty-three and a half. So Jonathan, like, so, as you probably guessed already, Sir Mo Farah won overall. I'll get to him in a minute. Jonathan Ray second with 80,000. And Johnny Peacock in third. Johnny um, Peacock from the World Para-Athletics Championships. Yes, sir. He got his second 100-meter gold medal at the World Para-Championships earlier this year. And let's be honest, he probably got a lot of help from being on the last leg and Strictly Come Dancing recently for those guys who like their British television. So I'm not entirely surprised Johnny Peacock got third because he's been on TV a lot, but that doesn't make it any well, less cool, and that's awesome about I mean, sport. Uh, I mean, it's, it was point, someone pointed out on Twitter, back in 2012, only 1% could name a Paralympian. 
before the British Par- uh, Paralympic Games. And yeah. that's you've now had Johnny Peacock like getting the top three. The last person in Paralympian sports, I think, was uh, Dame uh, Tomkinson, the oh, yeah. high si- hand cyclist. Yeah, 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 definitely. So yeah, that yeah, a fantastic um, little bit of a little bit of awareness there for Paralympic sport there. Beating Anthony Joshua to fourth place by 18 votes. It was that close for third. Um, in the, uh, Adam Peaty as well, finishing ahead of Lewis Hamilton in sixth. That's crazy. Um, which, which which I love that immediately caused a bunch of people on my time to shout, Fix! Fix! Which I say to you in response, have you forgotten the man didn't pay his taxes a couple of months ago? Like... Okay, the average internet person doesn't like a tax dodger. The average British person between their own four walls really doesn't like a tax dodger. <laughs> so, yeah, no chance. And, and I, all love, that- I, I love him also on the Paradise also in the Paradise Papers was the host himself, Gary Lineker. <laughs> <laughs> Dodgy. Because, like, Gary Lineker's, like, pretty much untouchable like, as a British, like, sports presenter and whatnot these days. But, like... Lineker's has been dodging the tax one now for like quite some time, which I thought y'all, was Y'all, ha- y'all, how does Harry Kane feel knowing that he got he got basically lapped at the track meet by Lewis Hamilton, who may not have paid his taxes, Chris Froome, who may have done some strange things with some asthma medicine? Yeah, that that was probably the one thing that upended like my general notions of the British voting public the most. That Harry Kane finished so low. Harry Kane was was I believe eighth place, eighth place, and again, like only three percent, only eighteen thousand, a significant eighth place. Like Chris Froome in front of him was had thirty thousand more votes than he did, and you know Chris Froome, the last minute case about the abnormal drug test for you know being able to double his asthma medicine, probably killed what slim chance he had anyway. Because, as I said before... I mean, like, all these people who, like, finish so low are doing tremendous, tremendous things. Right. Besides, like, Harry Kane being a professional footballer, they're doing... These these British athletes are doing tremendous, tremendous things in sports that British people don't care about. (laughs) Right. Like, Andy Shrubsall, for example, who pretty much single-handedly won England the Women's Cricket World Cup. Yeah, bowled Um, out. Bowled out five bats women and only allowed... 11 runs in a period of 19 balls. <laughs> yeah, that woman is a beast, and I mean that in the greatest way possible. Ninth. <laughs> like, the, like uh, sadly, the four women contenders, Andy Shrubsall, Bianca Walkden for representing Taekwondo, Joe Conta um, for tennis, which really surprised me that she was that far off the yeah. top. And Elise Christie, the speed skater, all in the bottom four. Like, Elise, Elise Christie wins the like overall title at the World Short Track World Championships. First British woman to ever do it. Last place. Yes, like, and you know what? It's the Winter Olympic Games next month as well. That's unbelievably unlucky. Like, we really <laughs> don't give a shit. Like, like that's sad. Is is no one advertising Winter Olympic coverage? Like, she could be an Olympic gold medalist. Like, this right. time in two months. <laughs> and, and, and spoiler alert, King, we don't have very many contenders for these things. Like, if we walk away with one gold, we've done well. <laughs> like, so... It's normally the... It was the the skeleton. It was normally that and the curling. Yeah. 
Yeah, and let's, gonna let's just say down. Britain's going to have a lot more opportunities to get medals at this Winter Olympic Games. Yeah, like back in the day, it was either like, it was our assorted female skeleton mobs. No, no, <laughs> as, in, as in like, shout out to an earlier episode where uh, where I watched that documentary on Netflix and now the IOC has announced that you know, the Russian Federation won't be allowed to participate at the games. Go watch Icarus. Like, King talked me into it. It's freaking amazing. Holy shit. Um, I will talk about it on, on some podcast in 2018, but Icarus is freaking insane. If you have not seen it, go out of your way to see it. Um, it starts off as one guy uh, controlled <laughs> on a controlled, you know, steroid experiment, and it spirals out of control quite quickly. Um and it ends up becoming basically the story of how Russia are not allowed to take part in the Olympic Games, as you do. <laughs> um, something um, else I want to bring up, um, just mm. the response to Kenny Dalglish when he came on stage. Mm. Like, as soon as they said a Liverpool legend, it was like, it's Kenny. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but but yeah. On that one. But yeah, it's like Lewis Hamilton wins his fourth, fourth driver's title in the world. F1 poll, like, all-time poll winner. Like, he's low down the list. So you talked about Chris Froome. He wins the Tour de France for the fourth time. Also wins the Vuelta a España. Same year. He's nowhere to be seen. Like, <laughs> He was seventh. Lewis Hamilton was sixth. Adam Peaty, who, don't get me wrong, is now basically the god of British swimming. Like, the, the, the most, world's most freakish breaststroke swimmer we've ever seen. He was fifth, so the swimming crowd got behind Adam Peaty, so, you know, fair play to him for cracking the top five. I did not see that one coming. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Joshua, as I mentioned, was fourth. We all know what he was going to be on there for, of course, the, the knockout scene around the world of him taking down Vladimir Klitschko. Yo, that was um, amazing. Yeah, the, well, the, the, like, that was the, oh my god, we suddenly care about heavyweight boxing again moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Probably a little bit too early in the year for that to. If, it, if that had happened in October, he'd have definitely. I'd won say this. Anthony Joshua would have won if it was based on a panel of sports editors. If it was not a public vote, Anthony oh, Joshua yeah. probably would have won. Yeah, because Anthony Joshua will be giving them their meal ticket soon because he's probably like the biggest British sports name out there at the moment. Like everybody loves Anthony Joshua at the moment. Like he's untouchable right now. He's witty. He, everybody likes him. He's an Under Armour guy, and he knocked out Vladimir. Of course, it kind of helps. Like the amount of, I, I underestimated just how many people pay for that fight. <laughs> Man, um, where and... the BBC actually did have a piece in regards to like the best way to win it. I'm trying to see if I can find it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like, if you want to win it, this is like what you need to be, and it's like you need to be from London. <laughs> It helps. Uh-huh. It uh, definitely helps. I think I think being from London just tends to be like I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's a qualifier. It seems like just most previous winners were from London. It seems to just be more of a coincidence than actually like a qualifier. King, I'm no longer gonna ignore the elephant in the room. Like of all the years Sermo Farrell won this, this was the year he won it. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I think. Farrell's been a perennial contender. He finished third in 2011 um, as well. And he's been the guy that has been nominated, I think, four or five times now and has not won it. And I, I think that's the reason where they realize 
this might be the last chance. <laughs> it's like it feels like it feels like when Ryan Giggs won it in two thousand and nine. It yeah. was like a lo- it was like a we kind of owed you one award. So here you go. When it's like Mo wasn't the best this year, and if we're being completely honest here, no matter which way you slice it, anyone with half a brain cell could tell you right now that Sir Mo Farah is what I like to call dodgy. Um, <laughs> given the affiliation of his coach, Alberto Salazar, the fact he lives in the United States now. Um, He trains in Ethiopia, where there is zero out-of-competition testing to speak of whatsoever. But, I mean, he lives in the United States. That means he's under, like, the strict testing regime of USADA. Yeah. Uh, Trust me, I know a lot of track and field guys. They can't stand Mo Farah. They, (laughs) like... They despise everything he stands for. Not not so much as a guy, but as a... As, as a as competitor. As a, <laughs> as a competitor and what he represents. Because it, like, I know many people that have said, like, listen, so like Mo couldn't make a world final to save his life for the best part of a decade, and then all of a sudden he goes on this like six-year, almost unbeatable tear and becomes like our adopted British... like. Uh, like the representation of British immigrants everywhere is now Mo Farah. He's our guy now. <laughs> like, uh, like, why? Because he wins. That's what we British people do. We adopt winners. He's, we're, like, we're, we're like the Chip Ganassi of sportsmen. Um, we we adopted some, some. Uh, we gave him a knighthood this year, and it's like, oh, this is a bit weird. <laughs> Don't forget, in '96, Frankie De Tori came third. A jockey. An Italian jockey. Yeah. <laughs> oh we adopted him. He's one this, of us. Like, he compared to... Compared to the way it works on the other side of the channel, in Lequip's Champion the Champions, where they had, you know, French sports personality of the year, but it isn't a public vote, you see a different, completely different picture. Like, every year that Alan Prost won the world champion, he was sport, their sports personality of the year. <laughs> Thierry Henry never won it. Zidane wow. won it in 98 when France won the World Cup. Well, yeah, that one, that one was kind of unavoidable, really. That's the last time a French footballer won won it. It's, it's the same deal with the Ballon d'Or King. Like, Cristiano Ronaldo won the Ballon d'Or last week as well, his fifth Ballon d'Or. Like, I mentioned it before, and Philip Lahm pointed this out for Bayern Munich. He was like, well, it's an attacker's award. No defender's ever going to win this, right? And he goes, well... Like in recent times, the last defender to win was Fabio Cannavaro in 2006. King, do you remember what other significant football moment happened in 2006? Yes. Yeah, Italy winning the World Cup. <laughs> like, that's what it took for Cannavaro to win the Ballon d'Or. But I mean, like, Zidane was the last French footballer to win their sports first night. Like, Thierry Henry never won it. Yeah, that is insane given how brilliant a striker, like, Tony Parker has won that award. Tony, the American basketball player. I mean, he plays in America. He's French, but he's won the award, and Thierry Henry hasn't. Man, why, why does it America have something like this with this much ban around it? I know we got the SI Sports Person of the Year and the SB's Best Male and Female Athletes, and that's fine. Because we have too many of them. Yeah, that's true. That's that's we have too many of them, and that's the problem. We can't we can't centralize all the banter. Yeah, the the SBs the SBs tried to be that, but like not enough people care about the SBs. They really don't. 
not unless Peyton Manning's roasting Kevin Durant for Even though, like, they picked the perfect day to have the ESPY Awards on, like, a day where there's, like, no pro sports in America. Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, just to give you a quick rundown of some of the previous winners as well before we move on, like, Andy Murray's won three of the last four going into this. No surprises there. Lewis Hamilton won it in 2014. He was the first F1 guy to win it since Damon Hill in 96. Um, you know, known taxpayer, of course. <laughs> no um, taxpayer. Like, again, we Brits are on and off when it comes to us caring about cycling. Bradley Wiggins and Mark Cavendish winning it in 2011 and 2012, respectively. You want to go back a little bit further, you can go back to Sir Chris Hoy, 2008. Um, and we've got, even, we, we love our horses too, because even Tony McCoy won it in 2010, which was another definition of the, we kind of owed you one, Tony. So, uh-huh. um, have this have, have this one, AP. Um, Don't forget yeah. Zara Phillips in 2006, following her mother and winning it. <laughs> I... Does not compute. Does not comp- We don't speak of 2006, Zoe. Okay, <laughs> it's 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 we leave, we leave that one in the locker, like an eventing, like eventing one figure award like ten years ago. Um, but again, big shout out one more time as a motorsport guy to Jonathan Ray because that was a phenomenal achievement. He was the first biker to even make the shortlist since James Toesland in 2008. Um, and to be fair, Tozen finished fourth that year. Um, I distinctly remember that one. He finished, he finished fourth just behind a pretty loaded top three of Chris Hoy, Lewis Hamilton, Rebecca Adlington in an Olympic year. Um, uh, another thing to be mentioned is every year they do a, a thing on both uh, sports people and sort of coaches and commentators who had left us. Mm-hmm. The last person they showed was John Surtees, who won it for his motorcycle re- for his motorbike career in 1959. Yep. He was the last indeed. person they showed in the, the video. Indeed, a nice touch, indeed. But uh, yeah, that was sports personality. No, 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 Trey, you're not avoiding this. You're not avoiding this. Your boy didn't win overseas sports personality of the year, and possibly his last possible year to win it. Which is funny, right? Because, like, a lot of British guys were really pulling for Tom Brady to win that award. And I'm like, why? Why do you want Tom Brady to win this? He's about as likable as spitting your foot in a bear trap. Um, like, like, listen, I'm a Patriots fan as much as the next guy, but I do openly admit our two star players are dicks. Um, yes. and, that, and that's Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski. And I have no problem admitting that. Um, yeah, it, yeah, he didn't win it. I, I, no surprises there. Like, uh, Roger Federer won the over, over for a fourth period. time. For a fourth time, because everybody likes Roger Federer. He's pretty impossible to dislike, uh, even the, even despite RJ using a a private network and spamming Michael Van Gogh about fifteen hundred times. Didn't quite get it. Sorry, Oops. RJ. Oops. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. I mean, like. Up until up until this year, there was actually a tie for most overseas sports personality of the year awards given to a single person. It was a tie between Usain Bolt, Roger Federer, and Muhammad Ali. That tie is now broken. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> it's something. Yeah, um, just uh, just taking a peruse to the best male athlete ESPY awards, and I, I can tell you that you know, Dre, you say that Britain doesn't care about cycling. Well, there was a point in time where uh, where America really did love its cycling. You just take a look at it through a renters. <laughs> I, you know, I was a complete idiot for missing this, but like we talked about this just before we went on the air, and I was like, 
hmm, I wonder who won it between 2003 and 2006. And I was like, was it LeBron James? No. Not my no. finest hour. No, no. no. Though, Le- though LeBron did win it as recently as 2016. No, you got to go back, all the way back, to that pivotal moment in the movie Dodgeball, A True Underdog Story, where, uh, where <laughs> Vince Vaughn's character is ready to just pack it up He's just seen his coach get crushed by the most ironic signpost in the Vegas casino. He's thinking of selling out to Globo Gym. All of a sudden, who else shows up at the airport bar? The motherfucking Lance Armstrong. That guy. What guy? That guy. Of Though, course. I do have to admit, like, ESPN, apparently, they've fallen in love with basketball. Like, the last time a non-NBA player has won. It's Drew Brees! In 2010. Drew Brees in 2010. And, like, was that... wasn't That was, like, the year... Was that the year or the year before Katrina and Drew Brees was basically a demigod in the state of Louisiana? Oh, no. That was, what, that was the year when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's the year when they finally won the Super Bowl. Yeah, like that. It was always going to go to Drew Brees, wasn't it? Because everybody loved Drew Brees back then. Uh, a baseball player has not won this award since the twentieth century. <laughs> since the twentieth, I, I love how you're, the way you phrased the twentieth century. It was Michael it was... Johnson has 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 the only track and field related best male athlete at the ESPY awards. Looking at looking at the female athlete ESPY, okay, you have a lot of tennis. Uh, Julie Crone from Thoroughbred Horse Racing, a jockey, has won this award. That is jockey has won it for it. Simone Biles much... won it in 2017. Rousey won it, it in back in back to back years in 2014 and 15. They gave it to Rousey twice. Yeah, Good Lord. L- Lindsey Vaughn won it twice. Annika Sorenstam won it twice. Serena Williams has not. Okay, Serena Williams won it in 2013. That's fine. Yeah, both both Williams sisters have won the award. Uh, at least we got some own balls in there for last year. I'll, I'll take. Actually, it. last time a player on the Americans' women's national team has won the award was Mia Hamm in the year two thousand. Like that—that's giving me like really weird Bend It Like Beckham movie flashbacks right here. Like two thousand, good lord. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah, and of she course. won it in '98 when they won the World Cup. So pretty much when when they won the Olympic Games and the World Cup. And, that was and your crazy. international athlete of the year for the third time, Usain Bolt. What did Usain he do? This, what did he do in 2017? Nothing. Retire. But, have a good time. <laughs> but we love him, King. That's the best. That's the best part about this. He didn't have to do anything. We just gave him the damn award. No, you, you couldn't give it, you know, like, you couldn't just posthumously or, you know, you know just, just push it out there and just give it to Ronaldo and hope nobody notices again. No. No, we, loved- no we did that twice in three years before. That's yeah, we, we, yeah, we, we gave it to Messi twice. We gave it to Ronaldo twice. <laughs> yeah, the last time Bolt won it was 2013. Again, like, not the, like the year he won, he won that world title and he had the epic lightning bolt pitches. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's fun times. Awards are fun, yo. Um, yeah. Although they make you question life sometimes. <laughs> they make you question, like, they make you question the public. <laughs> but yes, one more time. Well done, Biking Crowd. Jonathan Ray in second. Well done, everybody. Listen to Bike Live on the Motorsport 101 Network. Yes, yes. The, he is the man. Like, brilliant job. And like, on a, on a slightly more serious note, given that 
if anything, British people look down upon World Superbikes compared to looking up at it maybe 10 years or so ago, because there was a time where the Brits completely loved World Superbikes and Carl Fogarty was, a, was like a household name in the late 90s. Um, and he's made a startling cup because he won that jungle reality show last year. <laughs> um, but in, when it comes to World Superbikes, we don't take it as seriously as we used to do. It's not the national pastime it used to be. Um, it's And for a guy that only races on British Eurosport, for him to be only 3,000 points or 3,000 votes off winning the whole damn thing, that's phenomenal. Well done, bike crowd. Well done, Jonathan Ray. And I, I, I think that's an, another feather in the cap for what's been a completely ridiculous year for him. If you haven't already, check out the documentary Jonathan Ray three in a row. It's coming out tonight on BBC Northern Ireland. Channel nine. No, no, I do have to note there was only like one year where the United States cared about World Superbikes. <laughs> was it? Was it the year that Ben Speeds was involved? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, 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 just a hunch. <laughs> I mean, it it was a hip, cool thing to watch in the late nineties, but it wasn't like the end all be all. No, back in the days when Colin Edwards was in his prime. <laughs> yeah. Before he, before he got it wrong by going to MotoGP and basically being Valentino Rossi's side piece. <laughs> not, not a good career move, Colin. That, that's that's, that's where all the American riders get it wrong. They're like, we should go to MotoGP, guys. We want to be the best of the best. <laughs> No, don't be the big fish. It's way more fun. Oh, shit. oh dear, oh dear. Good luck, PJ Jacobson, next year when you ride that. When you ride that MV, right? Zoe, you got some book stuffs. Yes, I'm currently rereading a couple of books because the aim is to do a proper retalk on them. But yes, I've, I've been working my way through Jim Clark's book, which. Unfortunately, ends up with me every so often going, "Oh, Jim," because I read bits and it's like, you know what happens to him, and it's just heartbreaking. Because he he talks about how the the biggest fear for a driver is a mechanical failure. There's, I mean, I've just flicked a random page to pull out a quote from, but one of the things he talked like. At present, only two things are really clear in my mind. First, that I will return to the farm as my main occupation and source of income. And the second, that I will retire comparatively young. I cannot see myself continue to race for many more years until I become a veteran in the sport. It may seem odd for the youngest champion in history of Grand Prix racing to be talking of retirement at the age of 27, but I predict there will be even younger champions in the years to come and that retirement in the late 20s will be commonplace of the sport. Mm. He, he, mm. Didn't, he, didn't, he didn't think Mario would be racing until, he's, until his 50s. No, he didn't, but at the same time, when you look, especially with the way F1 spits out some drivers now. Oh, that, that, that's, not, that's, not, that's not retirement. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, it's just, there's spits of it, it's like, I'm going to retire, return to my farm. It's like, uh. like all, it's like all of us can't be Cincinnatus, Jim. I mean, it, it's quite like it, the number. Like he brings up the his main hand on the farm, but how wonderful this guy is, and how much help 
He is because he goes away on all these races and this guy's there to keep the farm running. It, it's just... It's just a very odd outlook when you considering how nowadays you kind of go into this into motor racing and that's your career. Yep. If you're lucky, you'll have a, a backup plan. If not, well, yeah. But he's sitting there going, yes, I return to my farm. I go to my farm. I have lots of sheep on my farm. I mean, he talks about how he basically inherited a farm after his uncle and grandfather um, both died quite, like, pretty much one after the other. And everything, it's... But the detail he also goes into when he talks about this car, the racing itself is quite something. But one of the things, when the first time I read it, and when reading it again now, that stood out was... When he's talking about 1961 and it gets to Monza and he kind of just skims over it and you ca- it kind of sticks out and then you get later on and he goes into detail which includes the fact that when he'd won the championship he got pulled back up by the police and when he returned back when he returned to Britain they weren't asking him about the fact he was now a world champion it was the Italian police were talking to you. What did they want with you? Oh my god. Oh. And, they were too busy admiring my winner's trophy. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's literally, he's quoting his, the, the, cha- the, the transcribe of his conversation with the press. And one of the things is, well, what if they, like, basically you can't return to Italy? He's like, well, I don't return to Italy. Do you think you can win a world championship again without returning to Italy? He's like, yeah. <laughs> just, it's just quite funny. It's like, I mean, in the end, he ended up like skipping Monaco to do um, the Indy 500 on a couple of occasions and then won it and all that. So, but now it's, I'm trying to figure out the best way to break it down without me just going like this <laughs> it's not going so well but yeah look out for that possibly in January, maybe February yee that sounds like fun I actually can't wait to see how that comes together in the end, um, keep an eye on that in early 2018, I'll keep you guys posted on the social Though, medias there, I do have to mention a book I am looking forward to that Robin Miller just casually dropped its existence of, on his most recent like holiday gift giving video, but so, so in other words, he, he shamelessly plugged himself. No, no, it's not a book written by him. He has nothing to do with this book. Oh, I was gonna say, I was like, that's he, he that's dropped the that's he dropped the existence of someone else's book. Gotcha. Well, uh, noted probably one of the most prominent. Uh, IndyCar journalists of like the past 50, 60 years. Gordon Kirby is finally doing a, a comprehensive history of American open wheel racing book, which like I've so long. Nice. Yeah, because it yeah. like cur- currently one does not exist. There's no like Formula One has about like three or four of them. One for IndyCar does not exist. Mm-hmm. And he- Robin says that uh, Gordon Kirby's. We'll probably have it done in about a year's time. 
So I'm excited for that when that finally drops. Yeah, I mean, I must say, when it comes to the Motorsport magazine, he is one of my favorite writers in there. So he is. Yeah, that sounds fun as well, man. That sounds definitely sounds fun. A couple more quick things I want to get through before we move on into the new section real quick. Grand Tour Episode 2, definitely give it a watch. Full review is on the website. Probably the best one they've done so far. And that goes for both series. Um, Man, why can't the Grand Tour be this good every time? Because Clarkson and Hammond and May still think they're gods, and even though the year's 2017 and not 2003. But hey, who cares? Um, yeah, great, great, great episode. Main event, full GT race from New York to the Niagara Falls. It's fun. Even if James May is a complete dick to Hammond, which is actually almost funny, um, and it's so like, he, like he's just enough of a douche to like not be awkward about it. It's really fun, and you know what's even funnier as well? A surprisingly good celebrity face-off segment with Kevin Peterson, former England cricketer, going up against Brian Wilson. Yes, you know, Mister Fear the Beard himself, um, formerly the former closing pitcher of the San Francisco Giants in the baseball versus cricket matchup or as they called it fastest person in the world who makes a living catching small balls rolls right off the tongue um it's a great episode check it out if you haven't already and uh oh <laughs> we couldn't end the year um without one last edition of the motorsport 101 fight club fight club <laughs> oh my god this this might this I, I, I'm convinced we got to do we get we may need to redo the voting oh yeah this mm. so we, let's we, we had we had a late we had a late postal entry um here for I, I I can't quite believe this happened personally um Massa's like is, is Felipe Massa's cart team here yeah this is a this is Felipe Massa's cart team that has entered in the 500 miles of cart or the 500 milhastic cart it's a uh, it's a big end of the year race. You have a bunch of uh, prolific Brazilian drivers that do do battle in this. Uh, apparently, five hundred miles of the cart is very uh, very tough on the body because the winning team had eleven people on it. But that's not why we're here. We're here because we had a goddamn fist fight. We had more than just a fist fight in this thing. Yeah, um, I'm pulling up the video now. Should we should we come together for a live review? Yes, let's uh, let's oh, let's dear. all come together. Let's all come together. Um, have you got the link? Have you got like the thirty-one second starting point on YouTube here? Um, I will get to that thirty-one second starting point just to uh, just to just to set the scene here. Uh, the protagonists in this fight uh, are Rodrigo Dantes, uh, driving for Felipe Massa's team uh, against uh, Tuca Roca, um, a former Brazilian stock car and uh, A one GP racer. Wubus in second and trying to chase Dantas down for the lead of the race. Yeah. So, are we, are we ready here? Yes, I'm ready. I'm as ready yeah. as I'll ever be. Okay. Three, two, one, play. Now, we have an accident here. Um, there's a spin out. Both guys are in the wall. The other guy's sarcastically clapping. And next thing you know... There's handbags here. They pull each other. Like we have some ground game work here, and then a man in the white just basically takes the top mount and starts beating the crap out of him through the helmets. Yo, yo! When I first watched this, this was like an armbar takedown. 
Right. He went full Mighty Mouse in that UFC 217 here. It, it, it's it's crazy. Like he's still he's still got the mount here on top of this man, <laughs> and he's giving him a lecture from from up above, while basically I think I don't know if he was punching the helmet or is he trying to punch through the gap. If he's opened the visor up and the marshals have to like pull him off at this point, like this is incredible. Like I have never, I've never seen a motorsport event where a guy is literally taking him to the ground and then assumed top control. Oh my he God. trains MMA. <laughs> he clearly trains in MMA. This is, this has to be a thing. Mike, you got to know how how gassed he is after 500 miles in a go kart. It's going to be hard for him to keep the control of his body. Oh, big takedown! <laughs> oh, my. It, it, it is ridiculous. I have never quite seen anything like this. This is a definite, like, shoo-in for the 2018 Flight of the Year award for the Motors 101 Awards. You have to keep this in our memories for at least a year. Um, turns out both teams were disqualified after that punch-up. Um, and, uh, and an extra note from Keith Collett, who provided a video on F1 Fanatic, he said... Massa's just been appointed head of the FIA Karting Commission too, so yeah. this is not exactly well timed. <laughs> yeah, like uh, during the FIA elections, you know, the whole uh, Jordan Gate, uh, you know, <laughs> Jordan Gate taught getting his third and last term. Felipe Massa was also elected president of the International Karting Commission. Right. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. So what, what you're uh, saying is that Felipe Massa is making karting the most must-watch motorsport <laughs> on the planet. Yes, so, hashtag make karting great again. Sign me up. <laughs> Absolutely sign me up. Oh dear, oh dear. Um, I, I'm here for all the karting fights. If you have any fun motorsports you want to send, please tweet us at motorsport101. Um, that, that'd be fun. Uh, never a dull moment. And that that's a humdinger. Uh, that's that's one of the best of the year, right there. That's uh, that was uh, whew, incredible. Right after this brief musical interlude, we'll give you the news. car news actual indie car news a ton of indie car news indie car decided hey um i heard you guys are bored we're doing stuff <laughs> yeah Good this stuff. is a big one as uh yep yeah, after years of essentially cock teasiness um trevor carlin has finally flipped open the switch and pushed the button um yeah carlin will be in indie car Full time in 2018. Uh, with, with Chevy. Cars, with Chevy and with Chip Ganassi's B team from last year. Um, they're, they're a lot better than that, but I, I couldn't knock myself. Max Chilton and Charlie Kimball will be taking those two Carlin seats for next year. Which I think puts us up to 23 full time runners for next year now, mm -hmm. which is awesome. Huh. Uh, also, worth remembering that Charlie did race for Carling back when he raced in. Europe, in the UK. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. he was actually competing. He was in the same championship class in Formula Renault 3.5 as Sebastian Vettel back in 07. Yes, he, he actually did a talk 
once and he brought up a picture and it's him on the top step with a, a pouting Sebastian Vettel. He says, whenever I'm sad, I look at this picture. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically Trevor Carlin's got two fully funded rides um, to just make the transition to IndyCar go a lot smoother. And you've got two experienced hands, especially Liam Kimball, who's going to be in his eighth season, and Matt Sh- Chilton, his third. This ain't bad at all. Nah, that's 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 a team you could have for like a good couple years. Yeah, that's a solid team to start off with. I, I mean, okay, Charlie Kimball, we make many a joke about Charlie Kimball on this show, but there are worse dudes to start a team out of the box with than Charlie Kimball. I mean, he's still easily capable of a good top five every once in a while, is what he does. And Chilton, well, he's had many a solid result last year. We had the universal opinion that he probably shouldn't have lost his drive last year. I mean, you know, he led more laps at the 500 than anybody else. Had a couple of really strong finishes throughout the year. It's a nice little team they've got together to start off with. Like, yeah. you can do a lot worse out of the box than these two. Hell yeah, and you can and you can build towards the future because Carlin now has a complete ladder starting in Indy Lights and now going up to the IndyCar series. And of course, now you have uh, you have a place for these drivers that are employed in Carlin's European ladder, which they're still committed to, as we've learned with uh, Lando Doris and Sergio Sette Camera coming to Formula 2 with Carlin next year. Wait, 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 wait. Are you hinting at we could see Sergio Sette Camera in IndyCar? That's certainly a possibility that exists. I'm also That's... saying that Lando Norris <laughs> could make the jump to IndyCar. Mm, I don't know about Lando. He has other employers. I mean that's true, but these employers also also have a have an interest in uh, in uh, going over states. Oh as yeah! Well. Oh my god! It's Go it, realistically not going to happen. Yeah, for a while. Sorry, yeah, McLaren, McLaren are not going to have Lando Norris as a full time driver in IndyCar. <laughs> but you can dream. You can dream. <laughs> you can dream. Live the dream, you guys. Live the dream. I, I mean, it was a dream of mine for ages that Fernando would do the Indy 500. And that happened. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the sequence of events through, like, the, the last part of this year where Trevor was just like, eh, we're, we're going to IndyCar. Just kidding. We're going We're going to stay with Formula 2. Nah, just kidding. We're going with the two-car IndyCar team. We're doing both, y'all. <laughs> both? Both is good. Everything. We're covering all our young driver bases right here. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Carlin for 2018. Fantastic. I think we're up to 23 full-time runners for next season. Sticking with IndyCar, um, Andretti very slyly um, teased that was that they were going to have a sixth car for the, for the, the casual medium of a Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically, what they did was they were basically just doing a series of like you know fairly innocuous and fun holiday posts, and then they're doing their their twelve days of Andretti Autosport, and they kind of sits Indy five hundred drivers, and then you just like pause and you like, wait, what? What? (laughs) I thought you only had five. (laughs) Turns out they did. They did unknowingly to us drop a drop a big hint about a sixth driver. And it was announced later that day. Carlos Munoz is back. Carlos uh, Munoz is back, baby. That means that means if I'm correct, 
we have a hundred percent guest rate in next year's Indy Five Hundred. You're right. <laughs> yep. Yes, we do. Jack Harvey and now Carlos Munoz in the Indianapolis Five Hundred with Andretti Autosport. I I did like Michael's tweet, which was "Welcome back home, Carlos." Oh, right in the yeah. feelings. Yeah, right, right in the feels. Like, why didn't you keep him, Michael? It was just coming together for him. Get his first win, his first pole, and yeah. Um, but yeah, great to have Carlos Munoz back. Um, well, we've mentioned it before. He he might be the best shot you have of winning at a super speedway on a regular basis. Four top tens in five Indianapolis 500 starts, and he and started the front row as a rookie. As a rookie honestly, who was doing Indy Lights out full time. And honestly, mm-hmm. the scariest thing to me is a guy who's really good at the speedway, and that's going to be his only IndyCar race this year. That That's the kind of hunger that I'm afraid to see out on track. Dre loves it. Dre, Dre loves his flat cap boy out there trying to win it in his one-off attempts, but that to You're me is scary. you goddamn right. I'm here on the Townsend Bell wagon. I know it's only like... You're, you're on the Bell on. End wagon. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> but I, I think I think Carlos might be able to take it all the way to victory lane. We're not having Zoe back on next year. <laughs> I've, been, I've, I've been gravely offended by this. <laughs> I think, did we also cover the news that uh, Marco and Alex are swapping numbers? No. We did not, no. We, we did they're, not. They're not just we, swapping numbers, they're swapping full teams. Yeah, they're swapping cars. They're swapping cars. Yeah, in other words, someone gets Sarah Connors to have to rebuy all of Alexander Rossi's merch for next year. Um, because, yeah, they're swapping cars. Uh, Alex, Alex Rossi is moving to the 27 car, while Marco heads over with Brian Herter to drive the 98 mm-hmm. for next year. Um, I mean, it actually came up on Marshall Pruitt's uh, podcast with Pippa, and yeah. they were discussing it. And it's there if it's a full swap, like literally they're moving driver from one car and team to another car and team, then it looks like it could be a very good move because yeah. Yeah. it means it's not just we're moving the driver; we're we're giving them like entire new crew in that. Yep. But yeah. it also means that, like, obviously, originally when the the deal between Michael and Brian began, Michael basically went, "Hey, look, there's this guy who's just lost his F1 ride, but I've been watching for a while and I really like him. Here, hi, take him on as a driver." It's now basically taking said driver and actually put him in his actual car. Yep. And it's like, hey, Brian, uh, here's Marco. Mm-hmm. Brian, Brian, my son needs a little love. Yeah, like we we got a we, we have this thing in the Andretti family. I don't know if you heard about it. A lot of other people have heard about it, but like no one in our family is once in sixty nine, and we want to fix that. Nice. <laughs> I, I mean, I I brought it up earlier. Um, Brian's nickname back when he joined Andretti was EB or Engine Bitch. <laughs> I was wondering when this is coming up. Because he was the one who did all the testing. Right. Basically, he like that was basically like Dario, TK, and Dan left him to do most of it. 
Like, and then, after... and then basically, didn't he win like a race at Michigan because yes. of these engines upgrades? Yes. And then turn the, around the and big... told him like, "Who's the bitch now?" Yes, he was given them like this monster engine they built for for Michigan in 05 where he won. He came back after the celebrations. He turned to us and said, "Who's the bitch now?" This is Daniel talking about the incident. This. <laughs> oh my god. But where the thing. One of the things is, like, Marco is apparently very technical, and what's been the main problem is they found a good setup and then they've kept trying to push it. Yeah, because so, like, we 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 see what happens when Marco sets up a car and it's not pushed. Like when he when he gave his initial setup to Fernando Alonso at last year's five hundred, and Fernando pretty much almost won the race. <laughs> oh, the same with the same for Alex as well. Yes. So hopefully by having him, like Brian properly having him on his team, he can basically grab Marco and go, right, you've done your bit with the car. Yeah. You're now going to stand over there. Leave the car alone. Go, yeah. go and stand in the corner. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't think Marco might get it this year, but 20, 2019, 50 years after Mario won it, <laughs> that's probably going to be Marco's year. Uh. Oh god, I, it's like, honestly, I, I have been standing here on the Marco train since the Indy 500 of 2006. <laughs> I have another been words, on... Another word, another word, Zoe likes pain. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. I, it's like, I've always, I've always thought, I mean, basically the way I look at it, right with Marco is that if anyone could get the best out of him again it'll be Brian Herter and I think this move was probably a year overdue um, mm-hmm. and yeah I mean it, it does also kind of scream like last chance saloon really um, for Marco as well given this is what year 13 I think mm-hmm. of Marco in, 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 in IndyCar now and it's it's never really uh-huh. kicked on from where it was when he first started so, well when Andretti still had their sports car team. It did look mm-hmm. like he was possibly going to be going over there because, again, he's because he's good with setups and that, and he was good with the car. That did look like he was possibly going to move over there. I mean, we saw him with Rebellion racing a few years back as well at Le Mans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there. There's, there's, there's always there's always options, but yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, let let let's hope Brian Herter brings out the best in him again. Mm-hmm. Moving on a little bit here. Uh, do we do we should talk about our boy Jack? Should we talk about our boy Jack? Yeah. Let's talk about our boy Jack. Yeah, go on, King. He's going to be doing, uh, oh my God, how many races? I think five race deal with Michael Shank Racing in partnership with Smith Peterson. To be hey. so, I believe he'll be doing. Uh, I know he's he'll be at St. Pete, uh, the Grand Prix at Indianapolis. It, the Indianapolis 500 itself. And the last two races, Portland and Sonoma, and that and there could be more. There could yeah, be there... more in the dockets if they find enough funding for him to do it. Yeah. So, like, if if at a point in time there'll be a third card, Smith Peterson, it'll most likely be Jack Harvey in that seat. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's great. I mean, again, we love Jack Harvey on this show. He, he's 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 a proper boy. So um, yeah, delighted for that for Jack. Uh, great to see him back. Get, uh, hopefully, we get the more of the Magnenta um, like, like, we, like we got last year because that was that was fun. That was that was a good color. Um, okay, so, like, so it's, yeah, schedule so far is going to be St. Petersburg, Long Beach, uh, the five hundred, and Mid Ohio. Portland and Sonoma. It's not a bad little set there. But I know oh, Jack that's... says he's aiming for top 10 finishes. Um, so, uh, yeah. Should we, he's, should he's... we add a bit of um, future wedding bells in? It's Mitch Peterson. Yes. <laughs> Our boy Robert Wickens uh, announces engagement. Robert Wickens is now Robert Hitchens. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck, what? stuck the landing on it. Yep, he's, he's asked Carly Woods, and she said yes. I mentioned this to RJ like before we went on the air, but when it was just like, hearing him just chilling, watching the darts about an hour before we recorded this. But like marrying a cosplayer like that and a, and a Twitch streamer is literally the coolest thing ever. Robert Wickens is living the best life, and I'm super jealous of him right now. <laughs> Bastard. He's living the dream right now. We got Hinch as a teammate. It's like everything's looking up for Robert Wickens. Everything's coming in Millhouse. Congratulations, Rob and partner. All the best for 2018. Um, King, SPM is our new favorite team now. Yeah, they're our favorite team. Especially with that other news (laughs) from SPM. Uh, What could that be, King? That That they're... Interested in getting a new engineer. Who, who could that be? Lena Gabe. Yes! The Lord. Our Lord and Savior. Yes! <laughs> Lord and Savior. Our Lord we and Wex Savior. We are. If, if they snagged her for IndyCar, like, like, I'm buying, like, all of their merchandise. All of it. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they'll be the official team of Motorsport 101. Yes! <laughs> like, like. I already know their social media guys quite well. They love us. Like, they were so grateful for putting their for putting their Jack Harvey interview out there, and they retweeted the crap out of it. So, SBM, we could borrow a hint for a couple of shows next year. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there, you know. No, no, no! Don't borrow Hinch. Let's 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 have you know a super show. Mayor on air meets Motorsport 101. Yes. Oh my yes. God. Dream yes. big. Dream big. Your wildest dreams will come true. Yes! <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like fanboying here harder than when JK was on Top Gear. It's just like, yes, come on! <laughs> Dream oh, big, yo. Dream gosh. big. So, uh, SPM, if you're listening, hook a brother up. You have my email. Just just, just yeah, read yeah. it out there. We, we've had uh, one of your drivers on the show before. Come on. Yeah, like, we, we, we will settle for Rob. Like, I <laughs> won't we'll settle for Rob. And, like, <laughs> Rob is like... <laughs> Ain't shoot your shot, King. Shoot your shot. Hash, hashtag the plot wickens. Hey. <laughs> so, SBM, if you're listening, call me. Uh, <laughs> right. a, 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 nice, a nice little segue back into LMP1, RJ, and it looks like we have another LMP1 privateer. Yeah, this, uh, this news just kind of slowly got leaked. And then it just dropped out of fucking nowhere. Rebellion Racing are coming back to LMP1 after a sojourn in LMP2. 
Listen to this lineup. You're bringing in Andre Lauder and Neil Yanni, their combined four wins at Le Mans, together with Bruno Senna, who just won the LMP2 title. Gustavo Menezes, the best young American endurance racer on the planet. You've got Thomas Laurent, and then you've also got, I'm, I'm missing one other name here. Shoot. Matthias Besch, who is a solid, solid endurance racer in his own right. I want to. I just want to point something out. In the uh, in the six previous seasons of the World Endurance Championship, Rebellion Racing have won a championship in every single one of them. Granted, the first five were the LM, the old LMP1 privateer subcategory, where it was basically just them. But then they stepped down to an ultra-competitive LMP2, and they won the thing in the final season. Um, they have a brand new Orica chassis. They don't know what en what their engine's going to be just yet, but um, this is a if if anybody can take it to the bite of Toyota Gazoo Racing in twenty eighteen slash nineteen, it's gonna be these guys Damn. because like certain. It, like if if I had anything to say to Toyota team, it would be rebellions. Rebellions are built on hope, <laughs> and rebellion certainly has a lot of hope. <laughs> Y'all, this is creating a fascinating uh, scenario where after Audi and Porsche have left, suddenly LMP2's, LMP1's numbers look a lot better, and Lama might have a, a different entry problem in the fact that not enough privateer teams could get in. Yeah. I, I think it's more of the notion that, is that they don't have to compete against big, massive factory teams anymore, and that... The idea of them winning Le Mans overall seems more achievable now than it ever has been. So here's here's the thing. They're expecting up to 32 to 34 entries for the full WEC. All of them get automatic entries to Le Mans. You take all the automatic invitational winners, you basically just get like 10 or 11s, up anywhere from 7 to 11 spots that are left of the race to invite... Um, other teams from the European Le Mans series, other teams from the Asia Le Mans championship. It's, uh, it's as has been covered on uh, DailySportsCar.com and on other podcasts kind of like this, it's it's kind of going to be a mess barring some strange turn of events yeah, where like, a lot of quality teams are going to get pushed out. Yeah, I think I wouldn't go full like takes I've seen on Twitter where... Uh, YouTuber David Land has suggested trying to open it up like Indianapolis does and let more uh, let more people qualify than there are spots and just let the fastest guys in. Oh, buddy, that would be fun. That would be fun. It would be logistically impossible. Yeah, it would be logistically impossible. Who? <laughs> but man, that would be fun. Um, I also wanted to just uh, toss in an extra bit of sports car racing news at uh, the BMW end-of-year uh, awards-giving ceremony. Uh, we have an entry for the 2019 Rolex 24. It's four-time Paralympic gold medalist and two-time American open-wheel champion. Alex Zanardi is back, and he's going to be driving a BMW M8. The god. The god. That is. That is Alex Zanardi. My god. Oh, what a hero. Um, the story writes itself. The, the fact he's, he's back in a race car again, hopefully for 2019, is sensational. Yeah, it's it's going to be a one-year project. BMW's first year in uh, GTE and GTLM proper is going to be 2018. Meanwhile, Zanardi's going to work on developing his own, uh, his own uh, hand-driven braking system to try and come to grips with the car. 
And uh, if all goes according to plan, we'll see Alex and Artie at the 2019 Rolex 24 at Daytona. But suddenly I want to buy tickets. Yeah. I, I don't want to discuss him in terms of visibility. I think him having handbraking is basically like wipeout. I think Alex Zanardi is like basically pioneering the future here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's how I look at it, quite frankly. So, uh, yeah, let's go, Alex. Um, that, that's fantastic news. Um, kind of one more big bit of news here as well. And uh, you may, you've probably already seen this if you watch mainstream news. But um, are you ready to accept your Mickey Mouse shaped overlords into your life? Because uh, Disney are buying more shit. Um, shit how, how, how much more shit are we talking? Um, 21st Century Fox, my friend. Well, most you know, of 21st Century Fox. You know, like, like The Simpsons predicted back in the late 90s. That's so, actually happened. It's so fucking wild. <laughs> um, only, I think, $60 billion, you know? Yeah, good. a big $60 billion deal. Like a, yeah. as as I mentioned before, Rupert Murdoch deserves, deserves none of that cash. But like, let let's stop, breathe in, breathe out. Disney uh, owns Sky now. Dear God, ESPN and Fox Sports are technically under the same umbrella. Uh. No, they're not. They mm-hmm. Disney bought all of the regional Fox stations. Like, the big, like, main Fox Sports, Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2, Fox still owns that. Mm. But, uh, all the international Fox Sports stations, that includes Fox Sports Latin America, which owns the rights to Formula 1, Disney owns that. Uh, Fox Mm. Sports Asia, which owns the rights to Formula 1 across all of Asia, Disney owns that. So, pretty much... Disney owns the rights to Formula One in across all the Americas except Brazil, uh, the United Kingdom, all of Asia. So pretty much they don't own the rights to Formula One in Brazil, continental Europe, and um, Africa. That's it. Yikes. Um, yeah, there's there's a there's a very valid point to be made about how like, hey, it's it's pretty it's pretty dangerous that you have one company that's just buying up all of these media properties all at once to gain like a bigger share of the market. Like that's a very valid point. And amongst all the fantasy booking of like, Oh, well, what if this Fox aligned character was a Disney princess? Or what if you could (laughs) actually get Spider-Man in a, in a Marvel Avengers movie now? Or the X-Men or what have you. No, it, it, it's gotten to the point where it's like, does Liberty really have... Con- can Liberty be dictated to on the future of Formula One by Disney, since Disney owns most of the TV rights? That's just terrifying thought. Like, like it's, it's bad enough when you've got that, and now you've got like most the Autosport Network now. They bought GP Update from, from, from the Dutch um, like last week as well. So, like... There's can not can, can Disney force Formula One to be a part of the MCU? <laughs> <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, the actual superhero. Nah, nah. He... It needs to be like Call of Duty where he dies. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Christ. Ding. Hey, he had a character in Call of Duty and his character died. <laughs> like, I mean, they... you're not wrong. But also... Uh, 
No, what it means is they're going to have to redo that scene from Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, no. You mean we can't have Mickey Rourke just throwing the electric little Sue's on the track anymore? <laughs> no, it'll be Formula One cars now. Yeah. Sweet. Oh my god. Oh, Part of me is just it's... like letting this like Disney owns everything. <laughs> Disney owns everything and that's absolutely terrifying considering how close to home that hits in motorsports media at the at the current and present time. I'm not faulting you. If, I'm not faulting you if you're employed at any part at any uh, juncture of Motorsport Network. I mean, yeah, you get cause, your money because because we know a decent amount of people who are currently employed by Motorsport Network. Hi, Josh. Network. Yeah. Hi, Josh. We hi, love you. Hi, Josh. Hi, Dylan. And, and Catherine. <laughs> and Ka- hi, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. Hi, Katie. Um, you know, all Everybody, friends of the show. Please, please <laughs> get your money. But you know, get your bread. Our, our our issue is not with you. No. Our issue is with the way things are at the moment. And serious out. Yeah. Monopolies are a scary thought for everybody. And yeah. I, I, I still I still fear we don't talk about this enough in the motorsport landscape that this one juggernaut now owns pretty much every mainstream site you read your F one news on now in some capacity. And now you can you can add Sky into that mix, which obviously owns like as a vice grip on F1 now in this country, and we'll have an even bigger one when Channel Four gives up their rights in 2018, um, at the end of that season next year, and Sky will exclusively have Formula One on their network. Um, yeah. So you know, and also also scary. Si- side note, RJ, you know who owns the Yes Network now, right? The Yankees cable network now, right? Oh, does, Disney does, owns it. Oh my god! Yeah, the the New York Yankees only own like twenty percent. Fox owned the rest, so now Disney actually bought the Yes Network. Because of course. So yeah, the Walt Disney Company owns the New York Yankees presence on television. I wish I wish my baseball team still mattered enough to have like a like their own television network these days. Thanks, I Chad. mean, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, your baseball team had more than its own television network. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. It's, you know what we need, King? We need our own media network. Nah, I Wait, think... I, I, we kind of already do. Yeah, we kind of are. We're, we're, we're good where we're at now. Like, any, any bigger than we are now, we're going to get acquired next. <laughs> And uh, if anyone from Disney is listening, my email is. <laughs> I'm open to all offers. <laughs> yes, just just if you, just in case that was slightly serious, his email is Dre at motorsport101.net. I repeat, cool. Dre at motorsport101.net. I accept all tips <laughs> and, and service charges. <laughs> I read every email. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh boy. One last so, bit. Of, no. I've got one last bit of news, and it's from the the Maz Indy Cars Mazda Road to Indy. Um, la- um, last year they started a shootout for a US uh, fa- uh, two thousand scholarship. Yep, a two hundred thousand dollars scholarship to start your yep. way on the road to Indy. Yep, 
and it's not just for American like people in American series. You've got a British, Australian, New Zealand series. So that happened last week, and the winner was Ireland's Keith Donegan. So. So 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 the Irish have a replacement boy if Connor can't come through. Yep. Um, he earned his spot in the shootout by finishing second at the Formula Ford Festival at Brands Hatch and was one of 17 drivers selected from the, for the shootout, which encompassed nine nations. So, nice. yeah, But the thing is, the shootout isn't just on racing because you get interviews, they do sort of mock media and that. So you can't just be a good driver and absolutely rubbish at talking to media. If you, they yeah. want you to be, like the potential. If you go all the way up, they want you to be a good spokesperson, role model, or at least be able to talk to the media. And more than a monosyllable. Certainly helps. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm trying to remember who won it last year. I I, bl- I want to say like off the top oh. of my head I want to say it was Oliver Askew but I'm not 100 percent okay it was. he he was also one of the judges oh he was one of the judges this year uh-huh. oh nice the the judges for it this year were Tom Long Jonathan Bomario and Jonathan Bomarito um Andrew Carbonell who who are Mazda Motorsport Factory drivers, Scott Goodyear, former driver, Victor Franzoni, who is the 2017 Pro Mazda Championship champion, and Oliver Askew. Who, like, the only reason I remember him, because he's literally the exact same age as my younger brother. They were born on the exact same day. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that... So... If you're if you're keeping an eye on the the lower ranks, <laughs> Danny, you've got a man there. <laughs> it's, it's, it's worth pointing out, man. It's worth pointing out. You 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 know it. I know it. There's a good chance Connor's not coming back. Sad face. <laughs> oh my god. Sad face. But, you know, we hey. do we do have other sad news to talk about. Go on. Uh, looks like Formula E's gonna need a new season finale. <laughs> Glasgow, sorted. <laughs> and every alternative Formula E journalist or, or, and or fan that was planning to go to Montreal just had their hearts shattered. King, uh, I'm looking at you. Yep. <laughs> Ooh, ha- mm. Yeah, so the Montreal E-Prix was a fun event, but had its own uh, logistical issues, you might say. Yeah, their main sponsor just pulled out as well, which didn't exactly yeah. help. Uh, because, yeah, mm, no, they their main sponsorship didn't pull out. It didn't exist. Their sponsor was oh. Hydro Quebec, which is a state-owned power company. So when Quebec, yeah, like the it, it's a company owned by Quebec's government. Yeah, and once and once that uh, plug got pulled, it kind of just ran the whole thing into the tubes. So, um, yeah. Uh, Formula E needs a uh, needs a new venue. I just, you know, honestly, I feel like I feel like Commissioner Bettman just uh, wants to move this race to a Sun Belt country where they don't even play Formula E <laughs> in the ponds in the winter. <laughs> or it's like we're just gonna have to just sit out a year, move the team to Brooklyn, 
It's not even, like, really designed for Formula E, but we're just going to have to live with it. Personally, I don't care that much because I'm not a fan of that team out in Long Island anyway. Nobody care. Nobody really knows why the Detroit E-Pre just decided to build its own <laughs> brand new venue in the in the, in downtown Detroit, uh, and it's not really helping the attendance at all. When was the last time anyone cared about the E-Pre in Detroit? Doesn't it even exist. Yeah, yeah. Everybody's really old at races there. You know, you'll you'll probably never see, and it's really a shame because the times really don't work out. Because, but you figure like with the venue and the and the and the season, you really feel like Washington, the Washington E Prix, would be held much later than the second round. Nah. <laughs> uh, they they really invested in that one guy at the Washington E Prix. It's it's not gonna work out. All I'm saying is that the Nashville E Prix is perfect. <laughs> the Nashville E-Prix is perfect. They, they already got that one guy from Montreal anyway, so they're good. Yeah, that's true. That's that's true. P.K. Subban is the Grand Marshal of the Nashville E-Prix now. That's where we're having the finale. <laughs> I, it's wonderful. Yes. No, I, I, it, needs to be, it needs to happen in Glasgow because they keep going on about how they want a wet race. They're, they're not getting a wet race. Like, New York, they, Brooklyn last year... Almost ended up being a wet race, but guess who got sunburnt last year? This guy. <laughs> King, you're a brother. How do you get sunburned? Because it was that clear and hot out. Oh. Oh, damn. <laughs> Anyone for Battersea Park? No. No. And oh, no. 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 As someone who I'm, went I'm to it, no. I'm no. <laughs> As someone who I'm... went to it, no. <laughs> Didn't think so. No. Like, as Zoe will quite rightly point out, give it give it the race up north in Glasgow where you, you need the wet finale that we all deserve. <laughs> get a wet so finale, fun. we'll get the entertainment of feeding the drivers a deep frying Mars bar. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I, 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 I see I see Alejandro just like looking at it and then looking up and like there's no way this could be good for the environment. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be saying, oh, that looks kind of phallic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll have no. you know that there's one of the the, the the Blue Laguna chip shop franchise up here proudly boasts on everywhere their shops that Justin Bieber went into their re- their restaurant, their, their restaurant, their take their chippy to get a, a haggis supper. Now, I want to see Lucas Degrassi try and find better and smarter ways to make a deep fried Mars bar. Again, <laughs> <laughs> there's oh, also man. the stoner kebab. Yeah, you just you just burn yourself if you put too much oil in the deep fryer, and that's just not smart. Yes, no, but apparently just... Alejandro Agag. He said that um, it's 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 either the season finale is not gonna it's just gonna be in Brooklyn or it's going to move to a different Canadian city. Ooh, Toronto maybe. Mm. We have a Tim Hortons, therefore we're Canadian. <laughs> therefore, shut up! Canadian. Shut up! <laughs> Go away! <laughs> How can you be more Canadian than Canada itself? <laughs> I have a Tim Hortons. I live in the one town that has a Tim Hortons that isn't... Gla- you have two in Glasgow, and then you have the one in my town. 
Not even London has much. She's she's never mentioned this to me before, by the way, people. She's. Never I even have a loyalty up. card. Oh, go away! <laughs> What's for? Oh. Even loyalty cards. So even we're definitely. Going, so we're fully for it. We're definitely having the Epre in in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Because it would be about two... Oh, I don't know. Because it would be... I think it would be two weeks after Indie Toronto. So... It would be mm. almost back-to-back. Hey, it, it, it worked to some degree in Long Beach. Yeah. Yeah, that wasn't the best E3. <laughs> Fair. But we did, have, we did have Scott Speed. <laughs> Okay, let me find the dates. Yeah, Indie mm-hmm. Toronto is yeah July fifteenth. That's the race date, and uh, time to glance at the Formula E calendar. This is the recently amended po- uh, Formula E calendar, now with more Punta del Este. All the Punta yeah, del Este. Oh, it would. Yeah, it would be two weeks time. It'd be two weeks time after after Indie Toronto. But again, Brooklyn and Toronto clash again, which is sad for me. Sad face. Very sad face. <laughs> As Zoe puts her Tim Hortons loyalty card on the Discord <laughs> chat, and now I want to stab her. So, so what, what is it going to start? When is, what is Dario going to go on strike <laughs> to get the E-free finale moved to Scotland? I'm pretty uh, sure if we... If- to be fair, though, if Dyer was going to campaign for it, it would have to be in, like, Berwickshire. It would have to be. <laughs> Good lord. It, there, it wouldn't be that it, much of a street circuit. No. It'd be country roads. <laughs> yes. I can, I can admire the Jim Clark room. <laughs> where Danny would be doing his commentary from. And his commentary wouldn't even be about the race. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy would just be informing Jack of every piece of the, the <laughs> that's actually from his collection that's in, now in the museum. <laughs> the man has his own Jim Clark room. Oh, God. Can we move it on here before, before hey. Zoe basically starts waving the Canadian flag? Yes. <laughs> Please, for the love of God. <laughs> and I think right. I, I think so, it's time for our main event. It is time for our final main event of 2017. I'd like to call it the Find 50 Ways of Pissing Dre Off for the next half hour. Um, uh, like, hey, Disney, guess what? We're giving you a bit more of our time. Surprise! It's the Autosports Top 50. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Disney does know an Autosport. Close enough. But do 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 our our the first guy on the list might as well be Disney related. Oh, all right, okay. Now again, I can genuinely say here I have not seen. Oh, I've only seen about two names on this list. One of them was spoiled by Zoe earlier in the week. That was Joseph Newgarden. And I think I saw where Sergio Perez ended up, and that's about it. Every, everything else is blind to me, and may the good Lord help us all. Yeah. Yep. No, number 50 is probably the first choice of a name for this Star Wars character. Number 50, Dane Cameron. 
Yeah, in the listing, they mentioned that he didn't retain his uh, his championship title in IMSA this year, but he got an even bigger prize, a drive for Penske next year. Which is neat. Um, Dane was also one of the uh, the Cadillac drivers. Yes. Yes. It, they also mentioned that despite only getting one race victory, on average, he was the fastest prototype driver across all 10 rounds this IMSA season. Nice. Yeah, he's he's gonna be a good fit. Who was who was at forty nine? Forty nine, uh, Nikki Thim, the uh, the WEC uh, Aston Martin driver, and and okay. motorsports greatest um, Enzo Amore lookalike. I mean, have you seen his hair? <laughs> oh yes. my god! Oh lord, that's a biggie. Yes, definitely. Okay, onward to forty eight. It is it is a man close to my heart. Rafael Marcello is number 48. He's not, yeah, he wasn't in single-seaters this year, but he moved over to GTs, and he's re-entered the list. My, my, my what a competitive factory drive will do for you and your yeah. confidence. Yes, yes. Nice. Nothing's ticked me off so far. Yep. We're off to a good start here. 47, we got our first single-seater driver. Back on the list after after a year off, Alex Lynn. Hey, okay. And, and to um, be fair, he wasn't really that much of a single-seater driver this year because he mostly spent his focus in uh, sports prototypes, won the 12 yep. hours of Sebring, has an Aston Martin factory drive lined up for 2018. Yeah, I, I do love the little tidbit, the, the way that they did his little input. Uh, uh, Sebring 12-hour debut in, check. 24 hours debut in a BMW in a factory BMW check LMP2 pole at debut 24 hours of mod check pole position for debut Formula E race check promotion to a full season Formula E drive check <laughs> earned a factory Aston Martin GTE deal for 2018 check and it's like <laughs> has there anything that Alex Lynn hasn't done this year <laughs> Well, probably get the uh, the Williams seat. He probably would have deserved on his merits, but you know that's another entire issue. Yes, forty six, yeah. the Valentino Rossi number. Mm-hmm. Forty six. It is a guy who drives for an Italian team in a single seater car. Kimi Raikkonen. Oh, yeah, down nine spots in last year. Like, like Kimi, we're still putting Kimi Raikkonen in the top fifty. Okay, just about. Fine, I can live with that. Um, which is amazing because statistically speaking, this was Kimi Raikkonen's best year of the hybrid, of the hybrid since he's come back to Ferrari. Um, yet he's found himself down almost a dozen spots. Yeah, funny how these things turn out. Because compared to Ferrari's year as a whole, compared to his teammates' year as a whole, for Kimi should have done much much better. Yeah, this is true. This is also true. I can't deny this for a second. Yeah. Um, I've tried with you, Kimmy. I've tried, but Ferrari are not willing to construct this title as long as you're in one of those seats. Yep. Which that's going to be. 45, back on this side of the Atlantic, new guy on the list, American, Ricky Taylor. Hey, Ricky! Ricky was was outstanding. He he never really put a wheel wrong when it mattered in IMSA. He had a couple of qualifying incidents, but, you know, nothing too serious. Helped his team win five wins in a row. Um, 
Oh yeah, and there was that uh, there was that audacious move on Felipe Albuquerque to win the Rolex Twenty Four at Daytona. That basically got him. That basically got him the Penske drive. Yep. <laughs> Forty four. Like oh yeah, Roger Penske. Like Roger Penske's voice on this list, quick and early. <laughs> mm. Okay. Yep. Interesting. Forty four. The the blessed number. We have a re-entry on the list. Jerry Matty Latvala. Yari Matty Latvala helped Toyota win their first World Rally Championship event in nearly 20 years. Yeah. And this, in his second weekend of action when they weren't expecting to win. Yeah, it was... It was... Mm. I, I'm a bit of a Toyota mark when it comes to rally cars. I drive a Toyota. I like the Toyotas. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds that sounds reasonable enough to me. I did, I did keep half a glancing eye on, on on rally this year, so yeah, I'm I'm, I'm cool with that. Yes, and forty three new entry on the list. This year's BTCC champion Ash Sutton. Oh, so let me get to it. The, like, wasn't Turkington like a lot higher than this last year? I would have to go back on last year's list to check, but I'm pretty sure he was like, if if he was higher. It would be like low thirties. Yeah, I was thinking he was somewhere in the thirties last year, from my from my recollection. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, that seems about right to me. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, BTCs always get to mention a lot of sports, so I'm not surprised. Forty two. We have another British touring car driver, but he drives a whole different world of touring cars. Number forty two, Jamie Green. Jamie Green from the DTM. Where did Jamie right. Green in the DTM? He finished third in the DTM this year. Oh goodness, yeah, and that was with a that was with an Audi team. Um, I imagine that we'd see another Audi driver further up this list. Yeah, and yeah, Jamie Green in the DTM third really doesn't like it doesn't tell the whole story where he had a chance to win the title at the last race. I know DTM is fading as a series as it, as it stands, but yeah, that's a nice mention. This list is, has been surprisingly sensical so far. I'm annoyed here. Right? <laughs> you're annoyed. You're not pissed off. <laughs> I, I need sound bites, damn it. <laughs> okay, okay. Keep going, uh, 41, we have this year's World Rallycross champion, Johan Christofferson. Yes. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Didn't, yeah, didn't Christofferson wasn't Christofferson also a champion in Porsche Super Cup or touring cars? It's one yeah. or the other. Yeah. Uh, oh God. Let's see in this breakdown. He also won six Scandinavian touring car championship races out of eleven starts. Uh, that is the only other note thing of note that they have here on the on his list of accomplishments this year. Okay, and let's see who starts off our next 10 drivers. Number 40, we finally head off to Formula One. Hmm. Oh. Kevin Magnuson. K-Mag at 40? Yes. K-Mag at 40 over Kimi Raikkonen. Yes. Mm. 
Like, mm, I don't know what Autosport is trying to say here, but <laughs> nothing good about Kimi Raikkonen. I'm not much good about Kevin Manderson, who's like basically now the dirtiest driver in F1. <laughs> He's the Ric Flair of Formula 1. Also, breaking yes. news, Paul Lim wins in the darts! Yeah, get in there, yes! yes! I just saw it happen. Paul Lim, yes! <laughs> he's 178 years old, but he's into the second round. Yes! Uh, I had to get that one in there. <laughs> yeah. Carry on, King. 39, we head back to the States, to IndyCar. 39, Will Power. Down 25 spots on last year. What? Wow! <laughs> he, won mark. he won three races. He had car. It wasn't even his fault half the time when he, he doesn't do well. It was car issues. It was mechanical issues he had. Quote from the start of his entry Will Power scored only three wins this season, one fewer than last year, and was only fifth in the champion. In the championship. Yeah, by his that's, own that's... lofty standards, it's a disappointment. But man, considering it's IndyCar. Yep. This this doesn't make any sense. That is a terrible pick. Mm. Now now we are starting to see the first of, uh, of Dre's uh, limitness. Yes. Can, can, can you honor from that? But those stats uh, belly the fact that he was back to his best after a 2016 dogged by health and fitness issues. Like, he had an ear infection. That's hardly, like, health issues. Yeah, <laughs> like, mm, they. It seems like they expected him to at least be in the top three of the championship. Oh, I, 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 that, that is mind-boggling. You, you've chunted him down half the list for what was a slightly below average year for willpower. <laughs> I, I, I don't understand that at all. That's it, horse manure. It's the fact he's only just ahead of Kevin Magnuson. <laughs> right. K-Mag, who was beaten by his teammate in Romain Grosjean and had a reputation going for being the dirtiest driver in F1 last season. Okay. Whatever you say, Autosport. Next. Next on the list, down 20 spots on last year, number 38, Chris Meek. Oh. oh, yeah. Chris Meek had a very interesting season. Um, if you may recall, Chris Meek um, almost <laughs> threw away a rally win that he had sewn up in the bag by slipping off into a car park in Mexico. And if, then he recovered you, to win the race by a few seconds. If you have access to Autosport Plus, that video is in his entry. <laughs> right. Yeah, he wins. He wins in a he wins in Spain, so he has two wins on the season. But he also has five DNFs, and I believe Citroen just decided, you know what, you can sit out Rally Poland. Yeah, Chris Meek is the literal embodiment of everything that his mentor Colin McRae is, if in doubt, flat out. Yeah. Okay. Mm. 37, we head to the world of Blancpain, and 37, Mirko, oh my god. Mirko, Mirko Bortolotti. Um, Bortolotti, but his name always catches me up. Hadi Bortolotti. Um, yep, um, Italian driver driving for an Italian manufacturer and uh, winning Lamborghini's first big sports car racing title ever. 
Yeah. Yeah, because um, they, they were not doing much until they had uh, picked up the Black Pan GT Series Endurance Cup this year. Um, yeah, that I can't argue with that pick. None whatsoever. Also, former FIA Formula 2 champion. But that was in the uh, that was in the MSV years, not the uh, the GP the Formula Two that we know and love today. Yeah. Okay, thirty six. We head back to the World Rally Championship with new entry on the list, Alfin Evans. Oh yes, nice. won the rally route gr- won the rally Great Britain. Um, proved that his sabbatical year from top life competition was kind of a mistake, um, and he's he's going to be good for a while. He, he's only like 28, 29 years old. That's still very young in rallying years. Yes. Good pick. Good pick. I like that one. Yep. Next. 35. We have a first guy who's moving up big on the list compared to last year. Up 14 spots on the list last year. Australian Supercars champion, Jamie Wincup. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, don't, don't let Johnson, don't let Johnson hear this part. No. Yeah. Shut it off. Shut yeah. it off. Because <laughs> even me personally, I probably would have had Jamie Wincup higher on the list than 35. Yeah, that's a bit low. For, 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 for the seven-time Australian Touring Car Champion. Seven times. Yeah, seven-time champion. He's reigning champion. Uh, and it's like, you can't argue that Supercars is not a competitive championship. He won the Bathurst 12 hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's nuts. On debut! I, I, I know he's basically the Antichrist of V8 supercars. He's basically the Jimmy Johnson of supercars. Because like, he, he wins a whole lot and nobody likes him for it because they'd rather see somebody else winning. Because just, just to go through the first paragraph of his entry, there are a number of reasons why Jamie Wincup's seventh supercars title is his finest. Firstly, he had to win the crown with what was the second fastest car in the field. There's no doubt that the, that the DJR Team Penske package was significantly superior over a lap and marginally better over race distance and i pretty much like that's that in itself says that even autosport feel that he should be higher than 35 but he's 35 yeah like somebody like somebody on the panel yeah like like somebody on the panel clearly voted him down like we're not going to include these v8 dudes in here no 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 no. we're not having this Okay. I, I, I was like, Wink Up seems low to me. I, I was thinking top 25, but okay. Next. Yep, 34. We have a world endurance champion, down five spots from last year, Timo Bernard. Mm, solid, solid, I suppose. That Gla- seems low. Glad he's on there at least. Yeah, it, it's mm, like you could say what you will about the Porsche team. They're. They were solidly competitive over the past year. Timo Bernard was one of the anchors of their program. Yes, indeed he was. And he's going to be, he's been a Porsche guy for years and years and years. Yeah, that's, yeah, that seems a little bit on the low side, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. 33, heading back to Formula 1. Some this guy wasn't on the list last year. He's back on the list this year. Felipe Massa, thirty-three. <laughs> After the list of guys we just went through, then Felipe Massa. 
Felipe Massa is above willpower. What universe <laughs> are we in? They obviously saw the excitement that he was bringing to carding. <laughs> yeah, um, Felipe Massa in at 33 in a year where he placed the same place in the championship but with 10 less points, but it really wasn't the car's fault, but his fault, but the car's. Yeah. Mm. I think we should just move on to the next one. We we already know. We already know how we all feel about this. Go on. Oh, 32 on the list. Autosport has heard the word. And Trey, you know what the word is. Is it the bird? Yes, bird is the word at 32. That's low. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a bit, that's a bit low. That's low. I, I just, like, Sam Bird's had a fantastic year. Um, he, he needs to be top 10 alone, essentially, for his ridiculous marriage proposal, yeah. quite frankly. Yeah, um, if he, that alone if, makes him... Yeah, if he wasn't, if he didn't win at Bahrain, he was going to do it in Hong Kong. <laughs> and he won both. And he won both. And he's now, like, a perennial, like, top... I, I'd say pound for pound, he's probably one of the three or four best dudes in all of Formula E, as it is. Yeah. Um, and they, given my previous history... They seem to rate Formula E guys quite highly. So, Bird as low as that seems a bit on the low side. Yeah, it, it, it's surprising for someone who is ex as successful as him within and outside of Formula E. Right, that seems low to me. Okay, I'm not, I'm not too pissed off, but I think he should have been a, a, a good at least half dozen spots higher. Next! Yep, 31, World GTE Champion, James Collado, up one spot on last year. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Collado was uh, Bird's teammate. Bird didn't yep. win the final race of the season. Collado and his co-driver won the championship. All in all, that's not entirely too bad for the, sec for the first and second runner-ups of GP2 in 2013. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, God. Now we head on to the middle portion. The middle, the middle 10. Number 30. Kayumi Kobayashi. Ooh, yes. Kamui Kobayashi set the lap record at the 24 hours of Le Mans. Um, had, a, had an incredible bounce-back season in Super Formula as well, which people don't talk about. And he did it with KCMG, who have always been bottom of the table in that championship. And, uh, yeah, Kobayashi didn't win a race all season but was consistently a fixture in the thick of things i think that was mostly just down to bad luck more than anything else like take well take lamar for instance his car his car and his crew with uh conway and sarazan probably should have won that thing on a canter if we're being realistic yeah. <laughs> and that lap record is on youtube and is worth watching it is the fastest lap ever seen at lasar oh and oh and he's gonna have ample opportunity to reset because the track is now slightly shorter he can reset his own lap record yeah boy um yeah 30 um yeah 30 seems a little low but i'm okay with that next yep down 20 spots on last year our NASCAR Cup Series runner-up at number 29, Kyle Busch. Okay. Mm. Is his ex-girlfriend still a trained assassin? <laughs> oh, my God. That's Kurt. That's Kurt. Damn it. <laughs> I should also take the time to say RIP Seneca. 
Seneca was the greatest yeah. relation. Was the was the Camelot of uh, motorsports romances, and now it's gone. Um, Kyle yeah. Busch had let's see, one, two, three, four, five wins all the back half of the season. Took second place in the championship in a close fight with his teammate, who will be uh, who will surely be on this list. He probably has to be. Kyle Busch also keeps winning in other tertiary championships. As well, yeah, Kyle Busch being Kyle Busch. Like, pretty much the only reason he's 20 spots down on last year is because last year was fucking incredible from Kyle Busch. Yeah, Bush just won everything last year. So he's that, that only 32 years old. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, we still got plenty of time. Okay. Um, but, yeah. We'll give it up next. 28. Not on the list last year. Back on the list, Bruno Senna. That's reasonable. That is. Yeah. Okay. Yep, he is. Back. Yeah, he is your WEC LMP2 champion. He won it with no power steering, and he's getting an LMP1 drive with a very good team. Yeah, it's 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 time I, to I, it's time to believe once again. Yeah, believe in Bruno. Do 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 <laughs> do do. do. Mm-hmm. Okay, quickly up to twenty-seven. Your New on the list, your European F3 vice champion, Joel Erickson. Oh, you almost wow. had me, Joel. Erickson just <laughs> got a DTM drive and probably should have been the Erickson that Sauber signed. But it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, he's, he, yeah, he's going to be, he's going to do well in, in, in DTM next year. I'm, I'm kind of sad to see him move to DTM and not stay in the single seaters, but but he really has no choice because DTM are just are backing his whole career. And why would you not take the factory funding, even if it meant having to give up the Formula One chance? Because let's be real, without that backing, Joel is, without a lot of sponsorship, Joel is probably not moving up to Formula One. So you know what? I'm perfectly fine with this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do love his entry is pretty much centered around Lando Norris. <laughs> Quote, Lando Norris took the plot it's for his Formula 3 European Championship title this year, but how does he rate his main rival, Joel Erickson? Quote, I think he's very good, says Norris of the Sweden. (laughs) (laughs) Stated succinctly. Yep. Not much more to say there. I think I'm okay with that. Next. Yep. 26, down 10 spots on last year, Pierre Gasly. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well so, no, so in other words, we don't rate Super Formula very highly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Because, I mean, he was basically a half point shy of winning that championship. Yeah, he, um, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't feel, I feel like we just, uh, we, you know, I, I just don't know if, uh, if racing against actual professional drivers against professional teams on a week in and week out basis is good enough for as 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 good as racing against other drivers who are still learning. Yeah, like, mm, if I had the rate Super Formula on all the single seater series in the world, it would probably be like first or second. I put it, I put it level with IndyCar. Yeah, I put it level with IndyCar. Without the Indianapolis 500, it's better than IndyCar. Wow, mm. bold statement. But um, yeah, that that seems that seems. Do you also more. kind of feel like the uh, the hardships of his F1 debut kind of took the shine off a bit? 
because it, yeah. it was he was he was uh he was down uh he was he had one hand and both legs tied up uh pretty much from the get-go yeah that seems like a robbery to me that gazi's been dropped 10 spots for basically almost winning one of the best single seat races in the world um that doesn't make any sense to me that's a bad pick next yeah. 25 new entry on the list champion of one of the most competitive gp3 seasons of all time george russell george russell yes i'll take it take it yeah. he's coming up yeah. to f2 next year yeah this is exactly where i would put george russell on this list yep that seems that seems very fair to me i'm okay with that next down 16 spots on last year. To the number Jeff four. Gordon number. <laughs> number 24, Lucas Degrassi, your Formula E champion. What? Uh, <laughs> they dropped Lucas like a dozen and a half spots. I thought, I thought everyone in motorsport loves Lucas. He's a forward thinker. He's progressive. He, he, he likes protractors. He, a- he, he actually won the championship. He won the championship. No, no. Again, he won't be the last Formula E driver on this list. I I I got a feeling there's going to be at least two guys above him on that list. But um, yeah, that's that's odd. Um, I know Lucas didn't win that title in the most ideal of circumstances. Yeah, I given think given that Sebastian Wemmy was, you know, let's be real, like Wemmy, I think he's still probably yeah. the guy in the series. Another thing that also I think might have hurt him is that you know he didn't have his Audi drive. Exactly, as, that's as, what to they opened him. That's what they opened the entry with. Free from the added pressure of an Audi LMP1 program, the absence of which explains his drop in places since last year. And he also he also would have driven for at Le Mans for Ferrari, but he broke his leg. Playing basketball. As you do. The guy's trying way too hard to be Steph Curry. Right. Yeah, I didn't realize they rated the WEC just that highly. That's... That's interesting. Okay, next up. Number 23 on the list, up 25 spots on last year, third in the Formula E Championship, Felix Rosenquist. Drive us higher! Dog! Yeah! Third in Formula E, third in Super Formula, helped turn a team around. Things are looking up for Felix Rosenquist. Yeah, like, is getting somewhere. like despite being full time in Formula E, he still drives everywhere. Super Formula, Le Mans, the the GT World Cup of Macau. Where has he driven? We have to get him on the show at some point in 2018. I'm gonna make that one of my mission statements. He's won Porsche yeah. Carrera Cup races. He's won yeah. in Indy Lights. He yeah, might he might good. get a GT 500 drive next year. Please, 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 please. No. I'll, if he gets a seat, I will watch. I will watch Super GT next year. If and I, if like, Phoenix is in it. Autosport agrees with us. Like, quote, they are gushing hard. Like, quote, Rosenquist is a showman, a take it to the limit kind of driver that gets people excited. In his home country, he is thought as the modern day Ronnie Peterson. To which his manager, ex Formula One driver Stephanie Johansson, says. He has, quote, no doubt he belongs in Formula One. Of all the drivers in Sweden, he is by far most deserving. <sighs> I love, I love, Ron, I, I, I love, 
I love Stefan's like just quick shade at Marcus Erickson. <laughs> right. <laughs> Marcus Erickson is not on this list. Marcus <laughs> Erickson is not on this list. Unfortunately, money couldn't pierce me onto it. Oh, the sass. Oh. Although, I just, I just, funny fact that they, I just got a Facebook message from uh, our friend and yours, Lewis Sudderby, that goes, Singapore, 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 Paul Lim, you legend. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, brother. that's America's Paul Lim as well. God damn it. Yep. <laughs> the best. Okay. Next up, King. Quickly moving on to number 22. 22! New, ent- new entry on the list. Your European Formula 3 champion, Lando Norris. Lando yes. Calrissian Norris. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, that seems about right for him, actually. Uh, maybe a little bit on the low side, actually. But um, I'm okay with that as a new entry. First time in the list. That's and Autosport, cool being Autosport, heard that we like lists and decided to put a list within our list. And <laughs> in Lando Norris' entry, they have the top 20 F3 winners for, uh, who have driven for Carlin. And basically, they list them in the amount of wins. Lando Norris sits sixth. No, yeah, he's like six on their all-time list of race winners with nine wins uh, in Formula Three. Top of the list. If you had to pick a name, F three drivers or Carland, who is top of the list? If you just had to throw out a name of successful single-seater drivers, um, Takuma Sato. Yes, Takuma Sato is top of the list with twenty-one race wins for Carlin. Second Which is count? second is John Eric Vern with thirteen. I was gonna say Jeff, so um, yeah, that's Ballin. Who doesn't love a good list? Yeah. Um, also, other notables I like to point out: uh, Anthony Davidson and Jack Harvey are both tied at eight, and Kevin Magnuson and Felipe Nazar are tied at seven. And Brendan Hartley and Noreen Carthacan are tied with Daniel Ricardo and Tom Blomquist with six wins apiece. Interesting. Okay, next up. 21 on the list, back on the list, fifth in the World Endurance Championship, Con Weezy. Ooh, Con Weezy. <laughs> Con Weezy. <laughs> Indianapolis 500 color commentator, Mike Conway. Yes, Mike hey. Conway. Can't say enough. Con- Mike Conway is the, I, I would say, the solid like workhorse LMP1 driver that I'd pretty much put on put in any car like if if you have to have like a factory prototype program I'd want my Conway yeah that sounds good to me next up yep heading into the sharp end of the table number 20 up 14 spots in last year your world endurance series champion I will your world endurance champion Brendan Hartley Oh, was, that's low. Not, that's low. I was, I was wondering when Brendan was going to come up, and I think that's that's uh, uh, that was early than I thought he was going to be. I was thinking top fifteen. Yeah, I was thinking Hartley. like fifteen ish. Yeah, I, I was. I was genuinely thinking top ten. Yeah, because he won Le Mans. He won the World Endurance Championship. He won Dubai. He won yeah. Petit Le Mans. Yeah, he 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 got a Formula One drive out of this. Yeah. Are they docking points because of how? Mm, Sideways, his first fifth of an F1 year went. That's Skip- bullshit. N- no, that, that, no, that was skimming. Renault. 
skimming through the entry, they don't like they they don't really mention anything about Formula One. They they pretty much say that his sports car accomplishments were the reason he got the Formula One drive, but pretty much like that was not taken into account. That seems that still seems low to me. Yeah. Next up. 19, we're heading back to rallying. Second in the championship, Thierry Nouvelle. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Putting Hyundai on his damn back, my dude. Yeah, he is Hyundai. This dude had, I'm totally not looking up these results because I checked out of the WRC about halfway through. Yep, had four wins this season and finished about... I would say 24 points back of the eventual champion, who I'm sure will turn up on this list in due time. Yes. Hopefully, pretty much assured to be on this list at some point in time. Yes. Definitely. Not. Okay. In, going deeper into the teens. Yep. 18. We're back in IndyCar. Third in the uh -oh. championship. Two spots up on last year. Scott Dixon. I, like, Dixon should perennially be, like, in the top 10 by default. Like, 18 still seems low for one of the best single-seat races on the planet, pound for pound. Like, I, I think 18 is... Like, I don't know why they, they keep finding ways to undercut Scott Dixon. Like, <laughs> Dixon... Like, I guess it's the only place where Scott Dixon is undercut. So I guess all is right with the world. Yeah. Um, seems a little bit on the low side, but... I mean, yeah. especially when you consider how the rest of the Ganassi team did. I mean, but that that's well, par for the right. course for Ganassi, so... I, I know it's par for the course, but Scott Dixon was in the fight for the championship and the rest of them were nowhere. And it just... It's always kind of been the case, but this year it really stood out compared that's to right. last year. Yeah. Took the pole at the Indianapolis 500. Uh, then took a wild ride during the race itself and uh, laughed it off with a smile and a bit of a uh, bruised uh, ankle. But that's fine. Yeah. Dixon's still too low for me. Next. Yep. Number 17, DTM's champion in his first full season. Up 10 spots on last year, Rene Rast. Project Car Spokesperson Rene Rast. And I know uh, a good friend of the show, um, Andrew Kubica-esque, uh, uh, um, was pissed that he wasn't in the top ten. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit pissed. I'm not as pissed as he was. But yeah, Redding Rast is definitely one of the best drivers in the world. <laughs> Three-time yeah. Porsche Super Cup champion. Um, f former race winner in the WEC. Former class podium finisher at the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Yeah, he finished on the podium at uh, the 24 Hours of Daytona, 24 Hours of Nürburgring, uh, and uh, the Paul Ricard six hours this year. Dog. Man, Rass is good. No yeah, wonder no wonder they right. got him to be the spokesperson for Project Cars. <laughs> okay. Give me that over Lewis Hamilton on Gran Turismo Sport. Next. <laughs> Yep, next, it's a joint entry at 16 oh. and 15. 16, Sergio Perez, 15, Esteban Ocon. 
That's a cop out. They put the Force India voice together. <laughs> that is such a flaming cop out. Um, given it was his first full season in F1, I think Esteban Ocon deserves to be a little bit higher up, especially given that Sergio Perez was responsible for half their team accidents this year. Um, so, okay, like I'm okay with that. Like Perez and Ocon, I'm okay, I'm okay with Force right. India getting as much love as they possibly can because it's still not yes. enough in my eyes. Of course it isn't, but their car is pink, which is awesome. So you know. More, more love for Force yeah. India, please. More. Just, more. just to let you know, we're going to be spending a bit of time in Formula One. <laughs> I, I really no. no, no. Over the next couple picks. Okay, go on. Fourteen. Fourteen down. Four spots on last year. Carlos Sainz Jr. What? <laughs> no, no. No. Down no, four. No. How, how after the year he's had is he down four? Please explain this to me. Uh, I think they bought into the hype when I did, and they got burnt out. Like, I don't know why they got burnt out on Carlos Sainz, but yeah, they did. This is going how to can be you have, How souls. can you get burned out on on Carlos Sainz? Have you seen that hair? I mean... Like, listen. they... Quote, Sainz continues to force his... His his way out on Max Verstappen's shadow with consistently strong performances of his own. His rate of development is arguably on a slightly slightly slower burn to Verstappen's. So, you know what it is. I, I'm not going to rename myself Andre Harrison, Lord of Cinder, and in the style of the first Dark Souls game, I will sacrifice myself to keep the flames of hype rolling. Carlos <laughs> Sainz should not be down four spots. He was in the top ten last year. He should be in the top ten this year. He's one of the. He, he was our Motorsport 101 Driver of the Year for good goddamn reason. <laughs> um, I'm not tolerating 14th. F that. Um, yep. Next next guy, his, well, up six spots on last year. Oh, up eight spots on last year. Number 13, Nico, Nico Hulkenberg. They put Hulkenberg above sides. Yeah, they did. They did. <sighs> okay, he, as we established, he was pretty great this year. Yeah, he was pretty good. I wouldn't say better than, like, better than signs, but he was, he was good. No, he was very good, in all fairness, and he, he did do a very good job carrying that Renault team, and to a degree, nullifying a little bit of the Carlos Sainz-type train when Sainz got the other seat. Um, like, if anything, it's walking proof that Hulkenberg is still really good at this F1 thing, yeah. even if he's completely dislikable and is never going to get a top-end seat. Um, despite that, he is still really good at this F1 thing and probably deserves a bit more credit than that. But hey, 13 is... If you're gonna If you're going to make it a majority F1 list... 13 for Hulk seems about right. I mean, he was in the ballpark with similar ratings on our team at the year scale. We gave him an 8.5 on average. He was about the same as Sainz, Ocon. Not so much Sainz, but definitely Ocon and Perez. So I'm okay with that. It's, it's yeah. a, I think it's a little high, but okay. Yep. Uh, next guy, up 31 spots on last year. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Third in the World Rally Championship, Ottenak. Oitanak got third. <laughs> yeah. What? He got this high. Yeah. 31 spots up? Yeah, 31 spots up on last year. That's 
Oh, no, no, no. That's a bit too high for me. Um... Tanit got his first two wins of his career, both uh, in, in Sardinia and in the Rally Germany. He was third in the championship for what was a team with limited manufacturer backing and was a solid title contender for most of the season, and he only had one retirement from from any rally, which is, is pretty fine. And he did this all with a brand new co-driver. And he got a Toyota drive out of this. Yeah. Y'all remember I, the time where he drove a car out of a lake? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think I think Autosport is higher on much higher on rally compared to Dre, but they like they're high on on the rally guys. Okay. If if, if you're gonna be high on rally guys, be high on rally guys. Fine. Okay. Um, we're we're up to twelve now. Uh, eleven. Eleven. Yeah. Okay. Eleventh place up. Three spots on last year, third in the World Drivers Championship, Valtteri Bottas. Oof. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Um, I don't know how I feel about this. Well, it's like in a vacuum, his season was okay. I'd say it actually was pretty good. In a vacuum. Like, in a vacuum. Like, looking at the big picture, for all the guys that we say should be higher up on the list, some people need to come down. And I think Valtteri Botas is one of them. Are you saying we could sacrifice Valtteri for his sins? Yes. Yeah, I think 11's a little bit on the high side. I mean, he was 14 last year and Williams was nowhere. And I, don't, I don't see what he did this year to put him up three spots. Um, he was okay with the Mercedes this year. He did what he needed to do. He was good. He wasn't great. And there was a good half dozen dudes in F1 that I thought had more impressive seasons than he did. Um, you, so I think 11's a little high. You're forgetting how much a, an F1 win is worth compared to anything else. Yeah, because that's so true, hard man. to get one. Botas got his first handful of those. Yeah. Yeah, moving on. Top 10. I'm top 10. Oh, up 25 spots on last year. Number 10, your Formula 2 champion, Charles Leclerc. That's about right. If, if, actually, you know what? That's actually a little bit on the low side, and I'll tell you why. Two years ago, Pascal Verlein won the DTM title as a rookie and finished ninth. Yeah. I'd say, it's a little, I'd say there are people coming up that I would put below Charles Leclerc. <laughs> Yeah, like, Charles Leclerc, you can make a case he's in, he's in the top six. He dominated the, you know, the feeder series for Formula One, and so, a couple of his drives this year were the best we've seen on, you know, for Formula Two slash GP2 ever. The guy is a wrecking ball. He is... Watch his Bahrain sprint race. Watch his damn oh, Bahrain Lord. sprint race. Oh, dear Lord. It, it is... It is, it is video game bullshit. That's what that was. Yeah, that like, was you playing F one with the difficulty far too low, King. Um, if, so, oh, if, if Alpha Romeo Sauber cannot rebuild around this guy, they cannot rebuild around anybody. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, probably the most exciting F one prospect we've seen probably since Lewis Hamilton. Um, so yeah, I think ten might actually be a little bit low for Charles Leclerc. But um, okay, next up, yeah. Okay, number nine, down two spots on last year. 
your vice champion in both the World Endurance Championship and Formula E, Sebastian Boemi. Ooh, matches his car number in Formula E, too. Yeah. (laughs) I feel bad for Sebastian Boemi in the sense of he won almost half the races he took part in this year, and he's down two spots. Yeah, Um, because he didn't win the championship in either of those series that he won half the races in. Ugh, just did this just didn't come through and it mattered most and that's like the sad indictment for Buemi who and again that will not tell you the whole story about Buemi's season no, at all that, well, I'm um, just looking at his 2017 uh, FI World Endurance Championship results he won the first two races and the last three races of the season he finished second he didn't really put a wheel wrong he recovered to finish sixth in class at Le Mans yeah, yeah the, 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 man's a, the man's a juggernaut it's pretty much if there was a driver who ever got screwed by the system, it was Sebastian Buemi. Yeah, uh, the, the the like the racing gods were like, "Seb, you've had too much fun lately." Yeah, it was um, like, "Hey, um, you know that double header that's crucial to your championship efforts in Formula E? You're gonna have to miss that." Uh, you knew, you know, Le Mans, which is worth double, that's worth double points. Well, you're not gonna do so well there. Yeah, the racing gods were like, this is not happening. Um, that's a shame. And, you know, I still think Bremi's top, is top eight worthy. Again, it's about right. Next up. New entry on the list. Number eight, your NASCAR Cup Series champion, Martin Truex Jr. That's solid. This is overdue. That's overdue. That's about right. Like, it's like I think you could make the case since last year's. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, the, the Truex the, is, is like a, is a juggernaut in NASCAR now and can win almost any race on paper. The and the fact that he wasn't on the list at all last year. Right. Like, as I said before, like, I remember him. Like, he, was, he looked like he was the strongest guy in NASCAR during last year's playoffs. Um, so, yeah, that, that's about right for Truex. So that's, he's, a, he's had a fantastic year and, again, one of the most... Um, heartwarming stories of motorsport in 2017 was his rise to the top of NASCAR. So yeah, Truex, yeah, that's that's a good that's a good spot for him. Okay. Yep, number seven on the list, down six spots on last year, Daniel Ricciardo. Mm. So, yeah, I forgot I forgot Ricciardo was number one last year. Yeah. Um. Yeah. God. Um. So the pound for pound king has been dethroned. Um. Now. Spoiler alert, I've not seen, like, part three of my season review. I gave Daniel Ricciardo a 9 out of 10 for a season. Like, this was another excellent F1 season for Daniel Ricciardo. I think the problem here is, was that his team was inconsistent. Um, again, we mentioned it last week, 13 DNFs is not acceptable for any top-tier team, no matter which way you slice it. And Ricciardo was probably the biggest victim of that, especially at the end of the year when he had three DNFs out of the final four races to close the year. But... Ricardo is still, for me, one of the most exciting drivers in all of F1. He had nine podium finishes in the third best car in the field this year. He still has this tremendous knack of being in the right place at the right time. And he's still probably the best overtaker in Formula 1. Shame he's a bit of a dick when it comes to his opinions on grid girls. But hey, maybe that'll dethrone the bandwagon a little bit. But overall, he's seven... Uh, that's, that's, that, that seems low. If, if you're going to make F1 the be-all and end-all, Ricardo shouldn't be as low as seven. 
like Ricardo should still be in the top five. Like my argument is right. Besides Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel basically being a class apart in F1 this year, I don't see what you could see from Ricardo to drop him any lower than that, unless there's some really big hitters I'm missing. Because I know who number six is. Um, yes. King? Tell yes. Me. Up 39 spots on last year, your IndyCar Series champion, Joseph Newgarden. See? Undermark. Really? Six? Yeah. How much higher really? do you want to put an IndyCar champ? Like, 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 okay, here's the thing. Because everyone's going to be looking at me and it was like, do you want to put Newgarden as high as like the really, really big hitters in F1? If because... I had to move them up higher on this specific list, like move, considering like moving everyone else around as well, I'd probably end up having him probably fourth place. Yeah, I think it's a That's reasonable. I don't I... think six is too egregious. I really don't. Yeah, it's like, not. I... It could be better, but when you're when you're at that like that high on the list, one spot, one or two spots is a big could be seen as a big overstep. Yeah, and uh, I mean, New Garden has slowly gotten better every year he's been in IndyCar, and this was his first year at Penske, and you know, it 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 wasn't a clear cut. I dominated the championship. Actually, win. they was- they point that out as one of the reasons why he ended up being so high. Like, quote, Joseph Newgarden's hunt for his first IndyCar championship looked to set to follow the Penske curse that Simon Pagano endured during his opening year, struggling his first year before winning the title in 2016. Keep in mind, that was basically an an entirely brand new team that we forget about. Yeah, Yeah. They, they they don't seem to know that. But following on, they even add on to that. A dreadful month of May for Newgarden, for Newgarden, as yeah, he finished, as he f- finished nineteenth in the Indianapolis 500, falling to fifty-nine points behind Castro Neves, Elio Castro Neves, as well as eighth in the standings. Quote from Newgarden: "May was our lowest point of the year, and pretty much every everything that came into motion after that. That remarkable charge from eighth in the standings at the end of May to being series champion." Okay, I didn't. When you put it like that, I didn't realize just how much of a mountain you got and had to climb there at the end. But um, I think it's a little low. Yeah, I it's mean, a little uh, low. Not too low. It's a little, little. low. It's it's not too uh, bad. I mean, I, I I can probably guess three of the names that are going to be above him on this list mm-hmm. now. So in the top five, and I'm going to take a guess. Is, is Max Verstappen next? Uh, no, he is not next. Let's say. Uh, ooh. Mm, yeah. Only one person out of the next five were, wasn't in the top five last year. Next. Down one spot on last year, your World Rally Champion, Sebastian Ogier. Ooh, if, if we're... Now, see, mm. given given what he accomplished with a, uh, with a team that did not have as much resources as Volkswagen... Um, that if, because I know rally weighs high, it yes. weighs higher than, than probably Dre would probably want to weigh it. But you know, if you're, if you're give, if you're putting OJ at four for winning yet another title with the unstoppable Volkswagen juggernaut and all their resources, 
who basically only quit because uh, Dieselgate happened. Yeah. Then what do you give him for doing the same thing with better competition in a team that, again, has only limited factory support? This is not the Ford World Rally team. This is M Sport running Ford Fiestas. Yeah, I think yeah, they didn't realize how good Ogier was. And they ranked him too highly last year, which ended up, when they decided to come down to earth a bit, it ended up making it look terrible. Yeah, and when you consider yeah, that going into the season, you know, it was going to be, oh, Citroen, Citroen Hyundai, they're, they're finally going to take it over. And all of a sudden, OJ rocks up at M Sport, wins on his first rally, and ends up winning the championship. Hi, he's not just a product of Volkswagen having an OP machine. Yeah, this is my logic I was going to use. Like, if if you're rating Rally that high, the year given the year that Sebastian Ogier has, has had, how do you drop him a spot? That doesn't make any sense to me. Because they, they ranked him too highly last year. That's their problem. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's that's an interesting bit of logic there. So we're up to, what, four now? Yeah, four, four and I made a slight miscalculation. Okay, uh, two guys weren't in the top five last year. One of them was number six last year. That's how I ended up making that mistake. Gotcha. Okay, up eight spots on last year. Number four, Sebastian Vettel. (laughs) I got nothing. (laughs) Wow. Like, I'm going to be 100% honest here. I'd probably have Metal number four, but I'd, I'd have different people in front of him. Yeah. Because we, we, you know, we all know who's coming up, and it, it doesn't make it any easier for Metal number, like, Metal being fourth to swallow. Hmm. Fourth, huh? Yeah. You're, you're really not going to like the number three. If it's who I think it is, I'm going to lose my mind. Up three spots on last year. 15th in the World Drivers' Championship, and your Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year. Hit him Fernando, with it. <laughs> Fernando Alonso. Oh, yeah. suck my dick! No! 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 No, 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 no. I have had it with this. No! No, he barely beat Stoffel Van Dorn in Formula One this year, right? Oh, he goes to Indianapolis and he wows the media, gets nominated for a noticeable award, and he's now third? Third? Ahead of Sebastian, who had a friggin' ridiculously good F1 season, right? No, 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 I'm not having this, I'm not having this. Ladies and gentlemen, you're currently listening to the breakdown of Dre Harrison. (laughs) Ooh, and we got we got two guys left. We got two guys left. Externally, externally, I'm just waving my shirt around over my head. But internally, I'm thinking, yeah, that's about twenty spots too high. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I've just, just let me, let me. Put your cock away, RJ, and stop helicoptering back there. I know exactly what you're doing. You bloody Alonzo stand. I will not stand for this. I have, I have to be completely honest here. I've never seen anyone, like, Autosport, 
the wider media, anyone rate the Indianapolis 500 Rookie of the Year award any more highly than they did this year? It's like, what else is it going to be? His F1 season wasn't even that good. Yeah. It was It was good. It wasn't great. Well, I, they've probably... The whole reason they're taking it, they're suddenly taking interest is because they're doing the whole... No, 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 look, see, F1 drivers are the best. See, look how many done over here. Ha! Yeah. Ooh, I can't see, man. but my eye is twitching right now. Okay. And it, it, Dre, if it, Dre, if it makes you feel any better, he's probably going to end the Toyota curse at Lamar. <laughs> he's probably going to end the Toyota curse. You're lucky I don't know where you live, RJ, otherwise I'll be strangling you right now. <laughs> you don't. Okay. You didn't even send me any postcards. I will fight you, okay? <laughs> okay, so next on the list, up one spot on last year, number two, Max Verstappen. So that confirms who number one is. That's that's also fair. I mean, Autosport themselves has revealed who number one is. Like, <laughs> and that's well, we know, okay. The obvious logic here is that you know, obviously, Simon Pagano is number one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Th- yeah. No, actually, no, you're completely wrong. Uh, number one on the list is your champion of the 102nd running of the Indianapolis 500, Takuma Sato. No, no, I'm just messing with you guys. Oh, uh, your... you had me! You <laughs> had me for a <laughs> I'm just messing with you guys. Number one, Autosport Driver of the Year, your reigning World Drivers Champion, Lewis Hamilton. Max Verstappen at two. And really? Lewis Hamilton at one. He, he, fin- he finished 32 points behind his teammate and he's number two. Yep. He, fi- he finished in the championship behind his teammate, even took his teammate out on a race. I still finished ahead of him here. Fuck off. Just, just like, go away, you are. <laughs> like, yep. Seriously. O- opening line. Quote, it seems there may be no stopping Max Verstappen apart from any persistent lacks, uh, lack of performance and reliability from Red Bull's Renault engines in the short term. So pretty much, only reason why Verstappen didn't have the best year ever was Renault. And that's Stop. not driver... That's not driver... Dep- uh, uh. Okay, Verstappen would be fine in the bottom end of the top ten. Second is second is a sin. Second is ridiculous. Please tell me, like, if you watched this, this last F1 season, how on earth could you put Max Verstappen above Sebastian Vettel? Please, somebody tell me. I, I just, oh my god, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take somebody's head off. Like, <laughs> second, third, and fourth makes makes me want to start my own like nuclear war. Yeah, at like, least, at least, at least, like. Lewis being number one makes some kind of sense. Yes. I'm fine with Lewis at one. Absolutely fine. No problem with that at all. Absolutely fine. Like, Alonso was about 20 spots too high. Mm-hmm. Verstappen was about five spots too high. And I think Sebastian, I think, should be second. And I don't think I'm being too much of a homer when I say second. Mm, part of me wants to have Newgarden, like, mm, yeah, I'd have Newgarden still, Ford still. Yeah, I'd have Vettel second. Yeah, I'd have Vettel second. Yeah, like, I, I, Alonso third? <laughs> what? 
Wemmy, Wemmy was the only driver of his team in Toyota that actually made the list. How? How? And Kobayashi was down in what, 30th? Yeah. Where the hell was Kaz Nakajima? He drives that not car on the tool. List. <laughs> yep. Davidson's not on this list. Earl Bamber's not on this list. He was part of that team too, you know. King? Jordan Taylor didn't make it. Yeah, Jordan Taylor didn't make the list. Oh. Hmm. Yes. Uh, I just... I, I, I have nothing. I've got nothing. Like... Like... Josh, if you're listening to this, because I know you are... <laughs> Don't take it. Josh invite... didn't write this. Justin. I, no, no, I need to hold somebody responsible. <laughs> Like I, I give you an open invitation to come on this show and defend this nonsense. <laughs> okay, I, I, I will set it up. I'll get the table. Okay, that that is my formal and not so informal offer because you're, some of your superiors don't know what they're doing. Man, I'm like, I'm man, sorry. you think people get bent up and wound out of shape about the PWI five hundred? Oh no! Oh, I, I, I'm pressed here, man. Uh, I th- <laughs> what? What? Should, what? Next year we'll make our own list. That that might be that might be an ambition for the year. Like, create our own like Motorsport 101 top 50. Rainmaker uh, Okada, Rainmaker Kazuchika Okada, number one driver on Autosports list. I think I've got this right. That works. I'm okay with this. Hmm. Do, we, do I, I think we need to bring more people on board because like. 14 people wrote this list. 14 people got round the table and told me that the third best racing driver of 2017 was Fernando Alonso. Yeah. Yep. 14 people. 14. <laughs> and just for number. future reference, for us here, uh, if you want to, the, the list of authors is publicly available on autosport.com. I'm going to gonna... send them a very angrily worded email. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I'm going to stick it in the chat for us here on the show. Just uh, so... Yeah. Um, <laughs> just... Well, that's uh, that's certainly a... Uh, <laughs> that's... Uh, well, we've, uh, well, we've had our fun this year. I yep. think... I think driving Dre to... Uh, driving Dre to the point of... Uh, Driving Dre to the point of madness. I think that's uh, that's that's pretty much been the theme of 2017, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has. Like, guys, like, all I try to do is host the pokey-friendly motoring podcast. Why do people try to hurt me so bad, King? <laughs> I don't know, man. They just let us down. <laughs> Why? Why? What do I ever do to these guys? Besides maybe this their organization a couple of times, you know. Besides that, like, what do I ever do to these guys? You know? I just, I'm, I'm upset, you know? Like, I feel like our boys are underappreciated this year. You know, apart from Val. But, <laughs> Carlos was down four, you know, New Garden only came up to sixth. He probably should have been in the top five. And then putting Seb behind Alonso and Verstappen, I just, oh, oh. Let, let, let me get out of here. Yeah, uh, we we, I, we I, despair. I, I, we've we've done this too long anyway. 
Yeah, we're at the 200 minute mark right now. We need to get the hell up out of here. <laughs> Just would like to say before we go, this was this is going to be our final show of 2017, and I would just like to say on behalf of everybody involved in Motorsport 101, have a wonderful Christmas, everybody. Um, have a wonderful Christmas. Um, all the best to everybody for the year of 2018. Hope it's a good one. Um, and, it, and just want to say one more time, it's been an absolute pleasure um, putting the show together throughout the year of 2017. We've had some madness, to say the least, on this show, but we've also come a long way. We added a second show, as you do, um, to talk about bikes. We had Carlos Munoz and Jack Harvey on the show, a bunch of new guests, and a super sub from Scotland with funny hair. Um, <laughs> um We've we've talked about goodness knows what else. You created a fight club, and the Hall of Fame is still is still being built. It'll be due sometime around twenty twenty. Um, no one can schedule. He's very busy. Right? Now we're we're, <laughs> we're getting a physical Hall of Fame well before like the WWE or the FIA. Sure, we're wet, we're, we're way ahead of present. It'll be it'll be physical but in digital form. It's very clever. Um, so I would just like to say a massive thanks to obviously to King, to Zoe, to RJ that have carried us through this year. Um, I, I know he, he'll take no credit for this because he's a ridiculously humble dude, but massive thanks to Lewis Sudderby, who's edited, God, I think almost 100 shows this year, um, almost, including every single bike live, and I think pretty much every motorsport we've done this year. Um, so, Lewis, massive thanks to you, sir. You are a legend, and I, I cannot even begin to repay the amount of debt that I owe you for that one. Um, <laughs> put it on your tab, quite, quite frankly. Um, massive thanks to Lewis um, on that one as well. Um, and special thanks to all our guests over, over 2017. Danny Brennan, you know, Nor, Katie, um, Chris, Matt um, for the Super Draft 100 episode as well. Um, I'm probably missing people out, and I'm terrible for that. Um, forgive me, there's a lot of names. Um, I haven't pulled it up in front of me, but um, you guys know who you are. Thanks to, thanks to everyone that's been on the show in 2016. I would love to get more of you guys on for 2018. Um, it's on my to-do list um, on, on that one as well. And hey, we've got a lot of off-season to fill still. So if you've got any ideas or stuff you want, you really want us to get on the, get on the podcast and talk to us about over the next god three months till the next season um feel free to to hook us up on all our social media you know where to find us by now but one more time for the year for the culture uh youtube.com forward slash motorsport 101 facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 uh twitter.com forward slash motorsport underscore 101 our personal twitter's at harrison101hd at Ryan Eric King, at Wee Zoe, and at RJ O'Connell. And one more time, if you would like to back us on Patreon, you can at patreon.com forward slash Motorsport One. A special thanks to everybody that's just that's still backing us on Patreon over the over the year of 2017. You guys are the financial liability to keep this show afloat, and you make our lives an awful lot easier. So thank you as always for all your help on that one as well throughout 2017. It's been a pleasure, guys, and um See you next year, I suppose. Um, so, until 2018, they've been RJ O'Connell, Ryan King, Zoe Hamilton, I've been Andre Harrison. Again, have a wonderful Christmas. And we'll see you in the new year. Happy holidays, y'all. Bye.
I think I should call it now because people laughed at me, including Athlete VG, for me picking Sato to win the 500 last year and then end up being right. Picking it now. Carlos Munoz, don't let me down, bro. <laughs> oh, one last shooter shot to close 2017. Of course. <laughs> Ali, call me. <laughs> Mine is far more realistic. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody.